NPR, New York, Bernie and Sid in the morning, Hot Radio 77, WABC. Wednesday edition of Bernie and Sid in the morning. Good morning, New York City. 606 here from the Talk Radio 77 WABC studios. I do not do this often. In fact, I maybe I've never done this, where I've actually read a text message to start off a radio show. But um, I'm going to do that today because it's, well, it, it matters. It's relevant. It's pertinent to, to the Bernie and Sid in the morning show. Of course, uh, you folks know that Bernie was here yesterday. His Lovely wife Carol was here, his beautiful daughter Melanie as well. And uh, look, let's let's not beat around the bush. Everybody heard it. Uh, the frailty in his voice he certainly sounds um, like he's uh, struggling. He um, has difficulty uh, standing up. He has difficulty sitting down. Uh, what's happened to my guy, my buddy, for the past almost 30 years in one month is astounding. But, again, courageous warrior all those words that we use to describe like a football player on a Sunday, which is ridiculous, really those words should be used exclusively to describe, oh, I don't know, some kid who walks into a cave in Afghanistan at 18 years old with a gun. But in this case, when you're battling something as serious as Bernie is battling, and this is no joke now, now it's getting to the stage where it's clearly very, very serious. And this guy shows up for work in the middle of the night when it's still dark out, and does a great job like he did yesterday. I, I believe the word warrior applies to my friend, uh, again, for nearly 30 years, Bernard McGurk. But as you know, he did go back to Sloan Kettering yesterday, and he was getting tests done. And he was also getting results from all the tests he had done the last couple of weeks. And he said to me, I said, well, what's going to happen here? You know, he's got to get that remission shot again. He's got stuff to do. I said, what's, uh, what's another possibility? And he said, well, if this thing spread just a little or a lot, uh, then uh, chemotherapy uh, may, in fact, come into play because he was not getting radio- radiation and or chemotherapy as of yesterday morning. But he sent me a picture, did Bernard, at 8.58 p.m. last night, and he wrote me this text, and it reads like this. And it's personal, but I think it's uh, not personal enough where I can't share it with you guys because, again, uh, you guys continue to barrage me. And uh, I appreciate it. I know you're sincere in your love and concern, so it doesn't bother me. I know whatever I get, Bernie gets ten times as much. He uh, wrote, wrote me this at 9 o'clock last night, and it reads, Receiving chemo at about 5 p.m., 
The fight has just intensified with this cancer. Left Sloan Kettering after 8 p.m. As I drive home, I can tell I'm not going to make it in the a.m. I apologize, brother. You were stellar this morning, Sid, juggling a horrific personal tragedy with whatever other stuff we talked about. Despite my painful visage, I was proud to spend three and a half hours with you today on the air. Much love and respect, Bernard, with the two emojis, hearts, which (laughs) I can't tell you how many times Danielle looks at my phone and goes, who the hell is sending you hearts? I swear to God. I'm like, Bernie. She's like, what is it with you two guys? Hearts all the time, different color hearts, red hearts, purple hearts, blue hearts, doesn't matter. I'm like, you have to understand, you know, sometimes guys do that too. I'm constantly sending hearts back and forth, getting them as well from Joseph Abu and Corey Zelnick and even you, Justin. Yeah. Not a big deal. No. She's like, I don't know. It seems gay to me. Uh, not that, nothing wrong with that, of course, but you're sleeping with me every night for about 30 years. <laughs> so um, a little levity to the situation, but uh, Bernie is not here today. I expect he will be back tomorrow, but he has started chemotherapy, and I don't know what that means Moving forward in terms of his strength, in terms of availability, I don't know. Um, I know that um, I get up every morning and I come to work here, and I've got a tremendous supporting cast, tremendous supporting cast, from Justin Ellick to Luke Lograno to Mike Garcia to Frankie Diaz with an E to Christina Pastina to Deb Valentine, whoever else may be working on the show that day. We have so many people that come in and out. That on days when my man Bernie is not here, uh, no one lets me down. And when I get in in the morning, they make sure that whether it's guests, sound for the show, uh, little bits, that we are prepared to put on a very good show, if not a great show, even if Bernie's not here. And today will be another example of that. We've got two great guests today, Congressman Peter King. He's always terrific on a Wednesday. We've got a guy that I find to be very interesting. He's running against Chuck Schumer coming up uh, next year. And I did a couple of shows with this guy last Thanksgiving at Newsmax. His name is Joe Pinion. And I think you're really going to like this guy. Most of you in this audience, of course, you know who he is because you are Republicans, you're conservatives, you watch Newsmax. You know who Joe Pinion is. But if you don't, very interesting, smart guy, again, running against Chuck Schumer. In fact, he was on Newsmax yesterday, and he made the point basically where if you keep doing – what's the definition of insanity? Insanity. You do the same thing over and over again. You get the same results. Or you, you, vo- you expect different results. Correct. So when you vote for a guy like Chuck Schumer time and time again, you're going to get the same results, which is garbage. Joe Pinion made that point just yesterday on Newsmax. Chuck Schumer seeking his fifth term. We become the longest serving senator in New York history. To Obviously- that point, uh, Chuck Schumer has been there for so long. I don't care if you're a left of Bernie Sanders or right of Donald Trump. Uh, his fingerprints are on everything that has gone wrong with the world as we see it. The thesis must become, if you are unhappy with the world as it's been currently built, you cannot continue to vote for the architects who built it. Uh, when you look at the pain on Main Street, when you look at the fact that there are 19 million New Yorkers who know that Chuck Schumer does not work for them, but the special interest, the corporate Democrat of corporate Democrats that he is, there is a huge opportunity to build an uncommon coalition, to have an uncommon outcome, to ensure that New York finally gets the type of stewardship and leadership we justly deserve. Uh, that's Joe Pinion, who'll join us again in the uh, 9 o'clock hour. Peter King coming up at 740. Lydia reports coming up at 825. And your chance to win cash and a bunch of prizes with Beat Sid is coming up at 9.40. Our numerologist friend, who uh, is in California, who listens to us every morning, Instagrams me often. 
she sends, hey, I send you um, emojis too. She does. Uh, a, fo- a bunch of folks. I'm okay with that. I like the whole emoji thing. I do. Even my son Gabe makes fun of me. He's like, why do you send so many emojis? I'm like, because nothing drives it home better than a hard emoji. Do you do that with your with your girlfriend, Lisa? A lot of emojis? A lot of emojis. We yeah. actually, when we first started dating, the way we got so well acquainted was we would communicate in GIFs. Now, what does that mean exactly? Like, you know, you know what a GIF is? No, I don't. Or a GIF. Maybe you would call it a oh, GIF. Oh, G-I-F. A G-I-F. Right, right. It's, uh, you know, it's like a moving picture. Right, right. It's weird. It is weird. Mm-hmm. And that's how you guys communicated. Yeah, almost exclusively. Like, you know, you're so cute. You're, when you weeks. tell the story... You can watch the show at WABCRadio.tv, WABCRadio.tv. We compel you to to download the WABC uh, app, not iHeart, not um, I don't know what else has it out there. Just download the WABC app. You can listen to Bernie and Sid in the morning, every city, every state, any country around the world. But watch us right now on WABCRadio.tv. As always, Gabby Lopez, Chad Lopez's daughter, does an amazing job, and um, we, you look very handsome today. But as you told that story, Justin, you were smiling. It was very, very cute. Like there was a um, a feeling of love that came out of you there. Nice. Yeah. To uh, better times, if you will. Why, times are bad now? No, they're great. But it's, uh, you know, the trials and tribulations of a three-and-a-half-year-long uh, relationship. Start oh, to- yeah, three-and-a-half. Right. Uh, uh, June 25th, this summer, June 25th, I'll be married 30 years. Big one, 30 years. Yeah, that's a big one. So three and a half to me is, um, you know, it's a baby's ass. But I mean, you know, you hit that honeymoon phase early on in the relationship. Right, that's over. That's what I'm referencing. It's already over. But you're not even married yet or engaged yet. So if that honeymoon period is over, what do you think is going to happen when you actually put a ring on this girl's finger? No, it happens again. It's like once you put the ring on, (laughs) then it it recycles. Oh, boy, you got so much to learn. It's, It's terrifying. You think it'll kill me? Yeah, I mean, if she's already bored now. She's not all of a sudden going to pick it up because, you, I mean, the ring will help for about a year. Nobody said she was bored. Well, you're describing the, the relationship as, as if it's going backwards. No, you're taking it that you're Oh, maybe that's that me way. then. Okay. I need to be more positive, right? Yes, yes, yes. you got to yes. understand, it's been a horrible couple of weeks. I mean, just horrible. Again, and I'm not going to bring this up again. This will be the last time. The funeral two days ago for Al, Danielle, and Antonio, three of my dearest friends and family killed in a car accident, that funeral two days ago, three bodies, was just horrendous. Like nothing I've ever been to or seen in my whole life. And I'm watching my partner, uh, my dear friend, for the better part of almost 30 years, fading away on me here. I mean, really having a very difficult time. Again, I think he's going to be fine. There's a lot of guys I know in their 60s that have gone through this. They've gotten prostate cancer. They've even gotten radiation, chemotherapy, all of it, and they're fine. 15 years later, they're fine. And if anybody can fight, that's Bernard. But watching it every day and seeing the difference in just one month, I'm not going to lie to you, it's wearing on me. It's depressing. So, um, you know, it's not like New York City is great. This idiot, this uh, mayor that I'm I'm so tired of, I feel badly kicking his ass every day, but, I mean, he's a moron. He's just a moron. He tells you one day that crime is a perception, and then yesterday he says, but I'm scared to ride the subway. Well, which one is it, doofus? Is it a perception, or should we be scared? Which one? I've never heard somebody do that in literally two days. Two days go from telling us crime is a perception to the very next day saying, I'm afraid to take the subways. That's unbelievable. And yet all you folks out there, there was a poll taken yesterday that uh, the majority thinks Eric Adams is doing a good job. Crime is up in three weeks. He has no idea from one day to the next whether it's safe and or not safe. 
He endorses a guy like Alvin Bragg who had the balls to show up in Times Square last night at this vigil for this beautiful Asian lady, Michelle Goh, who was killed, shoved in front of a subway by a, a sick, homeless, deranged murderer. And Alvin Bragg has the balls to show up, and Eric Adams endorsed him. So maybe I'm missing something here. It's like the 37% of people that say Joe Biden is doing a good job. What am I missing here? That's a highlight today, too, coming up at 4 o'clock this afternoon. You're not going to want to miss this. Joe Biden is going to speak to the country and tell us all the progress he's made first year in office. What? All the progress? He has managed to F up everything he's touched. Everything. Everything. I can't think of one thing, not one, including COVID, he's done well. In fact, here is his uh, speak his mouthpiece, Jen Psaki, yesterday. Mike Garcia cut this one up, talking about what the president will talk about today. And, in fact, that, quote, unquote, progress they're talking about. In terms of voting rights, it's never a good idea not to shoot for the moon with what your proposals are and what you're fighting for. The alternative is to fight for nothing hard. Oftentimes, is you don't get everything done in the first year. Coming into an incredibly difficult circumstance, fighting a pandemic, a massive economic downturn as a result, an administration that was prior to us that did not effectively deal with a lot of these crises, that there's been a lot of progress made. We need to build on that. The work is not done. The job is not done. The job is not done. It's not even close to being done. In fact, he's a year in. Here's my question to Jen Psaki. When's he going to start? <laughs> Forget about the job being done. When's he going to start? Oh, my God, I'm getting emojis up the wazoo now. Amy Epstein, Heli Osorio, Lynn Hart. Uh, they just keep coming now. There's emojis everywhere. Well, you've opened the floodgates. I, I opened the floodgates, yes. Uh, most of those emojis are directed to Bernard, uh, although some are directed to me as well. So I read your Bernie's text. He, uh, I think he'll be back tomorrow, depending upon how he feels later on today. I know that chemo uh, generally kicks the hell out of folks, but I think he'll be back tomorrow. But um, if I know something before, I'll, I'll be certain to let you know. Either way, we're going to be here. And uh, three years from now, five years from now, John Katz and Matides and Margo, uh, they'll make sure this is going to be the case. We'll both be here. That I can promise you. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. As always, the phones are wide open today. We'll talk to you guys quite a bit with No Bernard in the house. we got two great guests and all kinds of cool information about to come your way. This is Bernie and Sid in the Morning with me, Sid Rosenberg, right here Wednesday morning on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Right now on 77 WABC, stay informed with Bernie and Sid in the morning. Then at noon, it's Charlie Kirk from 1 to 3 p.m. It's Greg Kelly on 77 WABC. Here it is. 
Wednesday morning, back here on the Bernie and Sid in the Morning Show on Talk Radio 77 WABC. I am flying solo today. Hopefully, Bernard back tomorrow. Got to get to this vigil that was held in Times Square last night. I got a bunch of texts from Curtis Sliwa. He just gets nuts whenever Eric Adams does something stupid, which is often these days, or Alvin Bragg, any one of these Mensa members that we voted into power in this city. Curtis Sliwa goes nuts. So we got to get to that vigil. Let me go to uh, Alex, though. He's in Mountain View, California, very early out there on this Wednesday morning. Good morning, Alex. Oh, hi. Thanks for taking my call. I just heard you ask the question, who exactly is supporting Joe Biden? Yeah. If you go to the website for that uh, reputable journal called The Economist, yeah. uh, you'll see a weekly tracking poll of Joe Biden's approval. And this particular poll breaks it down by the four major demographic groups. It turns out that even now, uh, the majority of Hispanics and the overwhelming majority of Africans still support Biden. And I guess the punchline here is that if we have actually enforced our immigration laws so that our electoral demographics are different from what they are now, Joe Biden would never have been elected president. Well, you can't argue that. You're 100 percent right. And uh, it's disappointing. I don't know. Uh, I don't go to that website, but uh, I'm sure they're, they're somewhat accurate. It's disappointing that any group of people, let alone African-Americans who really thrived under Donald Trump's leadership, now, they don't want to admit it, a lot of them. And you get morons like John Legend and LeBron James out there with very loud voices that do tend to um, sway people's opinions in that community. But um, if that's the case, it's very, very disappointing. But, hey, we'll uh, hear from Joe Biden coming up at 4 o'clock this afternoon, and he's going to try to convince all of us that here's how it's going to go. Okay, I took over a a very rough situation. Donald Trump did a terrible job, which we all know is not true, not even close to being true. He did a terrible job. He left me with a lousy economy. He left me with a thriving pandemic. He left me with all kinds of issues, and I'm doing the best I can to get us somewhere back to normalcy. But please understand, Donald Trump left me a bag of duty. That will be Joe Biden's speech there, I promise you. There's no way he's going to be accountable for what's going on at the border for what happened in Afghanistan, where his policies cost us 13 courageous lives, for what's happening with COVID, for what's happening with the economy, inflation, supply shortage. There is no way in a million years that he'll take any of that upon himself. He will blame Donald Trump today for anything, anything that you deem has gone wrong in his first year. I mean, that is, that's money in the bank, right, Alec? I mean, you can count on that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Nothing worse than somebody who's feckless, who's lousy at their job, lousy at it, and um, just wants to blame somebody else. Well, I just can't take that, you know? Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, it, it's uh, pretty predictable what he might what he might say. That. You know, I mean, he says the same thing every time he goes out there and speaks. Yeah, he basically does. So we don't have him talking yet. It was just Saki talking yesterday, right? Yeah. And we do have all this uh, sound uh, from the vigil. There was also a terrible gas explosion in the Bronx. This is uh, not long after that horrible fire, which killed 17 people. You know, I went to a funeral two days ago with three people. I believe they buried 15 on the same day last weekend from that building fire in the Bronx. And yesterday, this gas explosion did kill a 77-year-old lady. I believe two other people were critically injured and five firefighters. But um, we'll get more of the actual numbers on that coming up as the morning moves along. 
So you got uh, those two stories out there, obviously. And then a story that I talked about quite a bit yesterday, my daughter Ava is applying to colleges right now. And ideally, she wants to go to school in London, which she'll probably go. But if not, California, and specifically UCLA and USC. And we keep seeing these pictures of this gorgeous, not that it matters. You know, I know I keep saying gorgeous. It doesn't matter if she wasn't gorgeous. Let me make that point now before you start calling me shallow Hal, shallow Sid. But it just so happens, gorgeous, blonde, smart, grad program at UCLA, working in an upscale furniture store not far from the campus. Some maniac walks in. They say it's random. I've got friends, for example, like Ralph Napolitano up on Arthur Avenue. He says he thinks there's more to that story. I don't know if there is or there's not. Either way, there is no logical explanation for a guy to walk into a furniture store, a furniture store and murder uh, this lovely young girl, as he did uh, in plain sight. And she's been everywhere. And, again, that's one of the schools that Ava is looking to go to, UCLA. Los Angeles and New York, they're in the same position. These are two of the greatest cities ever created by God that have turned to absolute garbage. Garbage. Los Angeles and New York, despite what Corey Zellner tried to sell us yesterday. So Todd Kupfer is the father of this girl. And we kept making mention yesterday, me and Bernie, look, look to the left. We've got boxing friends on outside in the newsroom. And there's the father of this beautiful girl. But we had no audio on, obviously. We didn't hear it. Here's what Todd Kupfer sounded like yesterday on Fox and Friends. I blame what's endemic in our society right now is that everybody seems to be oriented on giving back rights and bestowing favor on people that rob others of their rights. Rob others of their rights. That's where we are. Los Angeles, New York, other cities in this country. People's rights don't matter anymore. Now it's all about protecting the criminals. Traffic with Luke Legrano making his debut this morning. And I must say, he's done it a couple of times already. He sounds like a seasoned vet. He really does. Traffic with Luke Legrano and sports with Justin Ellick coming up next. But right now, it's the 77 WABC clip of the day. Listen to Larry Cutlow. We love Larry. This and every Saturday from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Here, Cutlow talks about Alvin Bragg, this Manhattan DA, this putz. Alvin Bragg's refusal to pursue crime. The district attorney of Manhattan, his name is Bragg, Alvin Bragg, I think his name is. This guy is for no bail and no jail. No bail, no jail. Running completely opposite to what uh, our new mayor, Eric Adams, is trying to achieve. But Democrats, uh, I hate to generalize because I don't mean all Democrats, but it just seems like big city Democratic mayors and leaders don't want to pursue crime. Well, we know that already. Larry Kudlow, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Saturdays. All right, here he is. He has been a call screener on this show. He's done sports updates on this show. He's executive produced this show. He's actually cut tape for this show. He has been a tremendous addition to the program. And now he's the traffic guy. You're like Jose Akendo. He played every position for the Mets. I'm a utility guy. I'm, yes. I'm the current day Jeff McNeil for WABC. So. There you go. I, I went with Jose Akendo because I'm older. You go with Jeff McNeil. Here he is. First day on traffic. You'd never know it. The very talented Luke 
Lograno. Thank you for that intro, Sid. Inbound at the Holland, we're seeing about a 20-minute delay. We've got about 15 minutes at the Lincoln and upper level of the George Washington, and even lighter at the lower level. Over on Long Island, some heavy delays headed westbound between exit 32 and exit 30. Stay clear of that if you can. On the Taconic, they've now closed two lanes to clear those two accidents before the Springbrook. Heavy congestion going back to Route 117. The FDNY is still at work near Southern Boulevard in the Bronx. All lanes are closed from Barreto Street to Longwood Ave. No major mass transit delays at the moment, and alternate side parking rulings are in effect. With traffic, I'm Luke Legrano for Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. All right, not Sydney, but your boy Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Again, sponsored by Peerless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters. Go to peerlessboilers.com or paviliontankless.com for a deal near you. Peerless Boilers, America's best built Boilers. Let's start with the Knickerbockers last night at the Garden and their date with the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Knicks got a strong 19-point performance from Kemba Walker in his return to the lineup after a nine-game absence with a sore left knee, but it wasn't enough to hold a fourth-quarter lead as a late-and-one from Timberwolves stud Carl Anthony Towns put Minnesota up for good. Edwards finds Towns. Towns against Randall. Off the dribble. Drives inside. Lamp counted out. Carl Anthony Towns aggressively going to the basket as his dad watches and a chance for a three-point play. Call courtesy of the great Mike Breen. 112-110 is your final score from MSG as the Knicks fall back below 500 at 22-23 and 23 overall. After an off day today, the Orange and Blue will see the New Orleans Pelicans come to town tomorrow night for a 7.30 p.m. Eastern time matchup. The Nets were off last night but are set to face the Wizards in D.C. tonight. That tip-off is scheduled for 7 p.m. Eastern time. Now for some ice hockey as just the Islanders were in action last night. They were in Philadelphia to face a skidding Flyers squad in the midst of an eight-game losing streak. Nine rounds in a shootout wasn't enough to keep that number from growing as the Isles were able to uh, skip town with a 4-3 to three win. After a couple days off here, the Islanders will return home uh, this uh, to the ice Friday night when they face off with the Phoenix Coyotes at home. Devils and Rangers back at it tonight as the Devils have the Coyotes at home in Newark at 7 p.m. Eastern and the Rangers will be across the river at the Garden a half an hour later taking on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Your Wednesday reminder that all the divisional round games are set for this weekend's installment of, of NFL playoff football. Saturday sees the Bengals at the Titans at 4.30 p.m. Eastern and the Niners at the Packers for the 8.15 p.m. Eastern Time game. Sunday, the Rams will be in Tampa Bay to battle the Buccaneers at 3 p.m. Eastern, and the Buffalo Bills will be in Kansas City to face the Chiefs at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. That's your bottom-of-the-hour sports update. I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC, again sponsored by Peerless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters. Go to peerlessboilers.com or paviliontankless.com for a dealer near you. Peerless Boilers, America's best-built boilers.
my favorite movies of all time, Eddie and the Cruisers. This is John Capperty and the Beaver Brown Band. Another band, much like Southside Johnny and others, that sound an awful lot like Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. This was a great movie. Dark Side's a great song. This one here, Tender Years. And you'll only get that on this show. Me, mostly. Bernie, too. Bernie is out today. Bernard sent me one of the most beautiful texts. And, and you know, by the way, we, we text each other uh, three or four times a day. And there's always emojis. There's always love. I, I can't help but mention, I know it's sophomoric and stupid, some of these Facebook posts where people are like, oh, Sid's not nice to Bernie. And Bernie said this. Is, I mean, you just you couldn't be dumber. You folks have no idea what me and Bernie have been through together over the last 24 years, 24 years. And um, certainly you have no idea what he's going through now uh, unless you're very, very close with him. I know you all care, and again, the messages are really sweet, and that's why I feel obligated to update you and tell you stuff that's very, very personal because you really do seem to care. But sometimes the way some of you morons who just don't like me describe the relationship between me and Bernie is, uh, is so off. It's, it's, it's not even close. These just people not- are sick. Yes, that's right. Thank you. These are very stupid people. So if you're watching the program today on WABCRadio.tv, you're going to notice that I'm wearing a beautiful Joseph Abu jacket, but that's not the point. On one lapel, I'm wearing the new 77 WABC American flag pin, which was given to me at the Dr. Oz lunch by John Katsimatidis, who I love, I love you, John, and Chad Lopez. You can see that pin. I'm pointing to the wrong one right here. See that pin right here? That is a beautiful 77 WABC American flag pin. But on the other side, if you notice, Bo Deedle will be proud of me. It looks like I'm a detective. And this is a pin uh, from the Patterson Police Department in New Jersey that was given to me by a dear, dear friend named Lou Spagnola. Lou Spagnola is a hero cop in Patterson for many, many years. His father, Larry, you can appreciate that, Luke Legrano. Your father's name is Larry, too. Larry was the chief of police for many years, and of course, if you listen to this show long enough, you know that Lou's sister uh, was a friend of mine, was, her name is Dolores, she's on the Real Housewives of New Jersey, but this is a beautiful pin, and uh, he ge- he gave me one in blue, and he gave Bernard one in green, because of course, uh, Bernie is the king of all Irish, so thank you very much to Lou Spagnola for these beautiful pins, one which I wear very proudly this morning, because as you know, nobody, well, I shouldn't say nobody, John does too. John and Margo, of course, uh, very few people support the cops more than me, Bernie, John, Margo, and the folks at this station. So well, thank you for that, Lou. Now, talking about cops, Eric Adams, he was a cop at one point. Not a very good one when you talk to folks who were around when he was there, guys like Bernie Carrick, who at one point was police commissioner, when, in fact, Eric Adams was a cop here. But I've been very tough on Eric, and why is that? Well, you people say, oh, Sid's just a baby because he won't come on the show. And let me tell you something, that's part of it. I will admit it right now. I am a baby. I'm very immature. And if you don't come on my show, our show, I do get pissed at you, and I hold it against you. Who taught me that? Don Imus. So for all you folks that are complaining, all Sid and Bernie do will crap on Imus, again, again, don't be afraid to look at the facts. That's not true. There's a lot of imus in me. I can't tell you how many mornings the last couple of weeks I came in pissed off or aggravated or something broke in the studio, and the next thing I knew I got 10 messages from Bo and Abood and everybody. Oh, my God, imus isn't dead. <laughs> you know, So uh, you don't come on the show or you cancel, and I get angry. Bernie does too, 
But Bernie, of course, is much more mature, much nicer, and I can be a complete dick. I'm aware of that. So he has to come on the show, and I believe that uh, when you're uh, the mayor of a big city like this, dealing with the issues he deals with every single day, how are you possibly, how are you possibly going to change things and make things better if you're afraid to talk to me? And you say, he's not afraid to talk to you. He just doesn't like you. No, he's afraid. And Eric Ulrich, my God, Eric, who was a really good buddy of mine. In fact, I'm wearing his friend's shoes today, as I do every day. I guess Eric is now on the Adams team. I don't know exactly what his title is. He promised me uh, that Adams would come on time and time again, and Adams always found a way to cancel and blamed it on his liberal people in and around him. Eric Ulrich, come on. You're better than that. I know you wanted a job, and he's a mayor, and maybe this gets you closer to that position, which I think you'd be great at. I think Eric Orwell should be a great mayor. But, you know, even him, I mean, come on, guys. So he won't come on the show. So I admit, I admit that I'm immature, I get angry, and I do hold that against him. But if I haven't given you enough ammunition over the last couple of weeks, I've changed Bernie's mind. Have I not? Have I not changed Bernie's mind, Justin Ellick? Um, I, uh, yeah, you're, you're there. You're, you're pretty much there. Pretty much there. Even Bo Deedle yesterday, even Bo yesterday was, was like, okay, you got me, Sid, you got me. Right? Did he not say that? Yes, he did say that. So all I do is point out inconsistencies. What Eric Adams says one day and what he says the next day. I used to work with a guy, and I love this guy. And don't be angry if you're listening. His name is Mike Francesa. Mike Francesa is the greatest Sports talk show host, along with Christopher Mad Dog Russo, in the history of the medium. I don't want to hear about Dan Patrick. I don't want to hear about Jim Rome. I don't want to hear about Craig Carton, any of these guys. The greatest sports talk show hosts in the history of the business are Mike Francesa and Chris Russo. But Mike would do stuff like this. Let me tell you something. There's no way, no way Georgetown is going to bring back Patrick Ewing to coach. There's no way. Trust me. No way. The next day, folks, maybe hours later, hours later, <clears throat> Georgetown announces that Patrick Ewing is an ex-head coach. Somebody would call Mike the next day and go, hey, Mike, you said yesterday there's no way, no way in a million years Georgetown would hire Patrick. And Mike would always do this. I never said that. Now, the problem for Mike is, <laughs> is that there's audio. So I would go on IMIS every day for about a two-year period. And I would collect all this audio where Mike would say, one day, there's no way Georgetown's going to hire Patrick Ewing. And the next day say, I never said that. Luca, I see you out in the newsroom shaking your head. You've heard millions of those, right? I have heard him uh, reference never saying things that he has said on Twitter. Right. That has happened. Right. Now, I never said that. I never said that. And then they play the audio. There was a guy on Twitter. I forget his name. But he had a page dedicated to all the times that Mike Brancessa would say something and then come back and say, I never said it. So I'm going to do to Eric Adams this morning what I did to Mike Brancessa time and time again in the past, and that is play something and then play the flip-flop a day later. You all remember Michelle Goh was killed by a crazed homeless man just a few days ago shoved in front of a speeding subway in the prime of her life, gorgeous young lady, and killed. Yesterday was a vigil in Times Square, and we'll play all the sound. Eric Adams, Letitia James, maybe Curtis will even call in. Eric Adams, after this horrific crime, took place on Saturday. Saturday. On Sunday. You talk about being tone deaf. On Sunday, the day after, Eric Adams said this really stupid thing. Losing 
this wonderful young lady. That's not it. The perception. I saw the homelessness, the yelling, the screaming early in the morning. Uh, crimes right outside. We know that now public safety is not only actual, but it's perceived. And when you have an incident like this, the perception is what we're fighting against. This is a safe system because of the job that the transit officers have carried out and what this chief has done in this system. We're going to continue to enhance to deal with the mental health crises that we have in our system. All right. So you heard Eric Adams talk uh, there a few times about perception, that the subways are safe, that the guys and girls on there are doing a terrific job, and all this violence, and crime, and fear is perceived. You heard that. It was, it was, it was, he used the word perception a couple of times, yes? Here's Eric Adams yesterday. I saw the homelessness, the yelling, the screaming early in the morning, uh, crimes right outside of the platform. We're going to make sure New Yorkers feel safe in our subway system, and they don't feel that way now. I don't feel that way when I take Stop the train. Stop it right train. there. Stop it right there. We're going to make it safe. New Yorkers don't feel that way now. I don't feel safe either. So which one is it? This is the guy you voted in as mayor. This is the guy that you morons out there voted in a poll yesterday. He's doing a terrific job. This despite the fact that crime is up big in the three weeks he's been in office. Two days ago on Saturday, crime is a perception. Yesterday, he's afraid to take the subway. Which one is it? Now, you know what happened. He said what he said on Saturday. He didn't come to an epiphany. He didn't get smart overnight, Eric Adams. His people came to him and said, hey, Eric, are you stupid? Are you nuts? Perception? we got figures that back up. They're killing people every day. People are getting sexually assaulted. People are scared to death. You can't say that. So all of a sudden, yesterday, at the vigil for this young lady who was tragically murdered, all of a sudden, now he doesn't feel safe. If you think he came to that on his own, you're nuts. His people said to him, Eric, don't be that stupid. So don't tell me that this is the guy that's going to save us from Bill de Blasio. And don't tell me he's better than Bill de Blasio, because like I've said time and time again, what does that mean? De Blasio is the worst, not just the worst mayor, the worst politician in the history of politics. As I've said before time and time again, Eric Adams needs to be significantly better than Bill de Blasio, not just better than Bill de Blasio. And right now he's not significantly better. I know it's three weeks. But between the endorsement of Alvin Bragg, between his flip-flop with this girl and the subway crime, it has been a terrible couple of weeks. No wonder he endorsed Joe Biden. They're both idiots. I'm serious. I know I'm supposed to like them, and I've got friends who are in very powerful positions who need Eric Adams' help. I get it. The governor, too. She's another one, another winner, Kathy Hochul. I don't like coming on the air and calling them names and all that nonsense. Bernie's good at that. I'm not great at that. But you know what? I'm frustrated. I'm pissed off because I heard the bull crap of the, through the whole campaign where he would say one thing one day and something else the next day, and everybody born into it. Well, he's part of the Blasio, so what? De Blasio spoke yesterday. He's not running for governor. Play that quickly, this idiot. No, I am not going to be running for governor of New York State, but I am going to devote every fiber of my being to fight inequality in the state of New York. Author Idala checks in. Great riff on Francesa. I love Artie. Artie's got his own show, too, on the other station, doing great at uh, 6 o'clock, I believe, on uh, weeknights. The great attorney, my friend, Audie Idala. He knows Mike Francesa very well. Lori sent me this. She goes, I bet I know what happened to that girl in California. 
I'm sure she was being nice, talking to that piece of garbage, the girl that was stabbed to death, the UCLA grad student, because we aren't allowed to judge anyone, feel unsafe around anyone anymore, because we are teaching them it's racist. And I guess that's exactly what happened, because she sent me an article here. UCLA grad texted friend she had a bad vibe about a man in the store before she was killed. She had a bad vibe. And uh, unfortunately and tragically, she was right. Well, that is a great 54 minutes of radio. Thank you, Justin Ellick. Uh, you're welcome. What did you have to do with it exactly? Uh, you know, I clicked a couple things here and there and, um, you know, uh, made it go out onto mm-hmm. the uh, airwaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lograno, what would you, 1 to 10, how would you rate Ellick's performance in the first 54 minutes? Well, listen, Justin is so good. That's so tough to judge. So I think... You know, there was a little bit of a slip-up with the audio there. I'd probably give Justin a 7 today just because he's so good normally, and that one little slip-up's really going to A 7, all right. Mike Garcia, 1 to 10. How would you rate Alex's performance in the first, now, 55 minutes? I think I'd give him a flawless performance. Really? What the hell did he do? He did sports, and he played one or two things, and he played the right music because I asked him for it. You told us at one point that we always have to learn from under you, so we have to fall down to get back up. That's pretty good. That was pretty good. I mean, I've taught you guys well. That's great, Mike Garcia. Thank you, Luke. All right, there it is. Frankie, we'll get to you later on in the program. We do have Peter King coming up next hour. In the 9 o'clock hour, Joe Pinion, he's running against Chuck Schumer. Please vote for him. Lydia reports and beat Sid. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. More to come. This hump day edition of Bernie and Sid. We'll come back right after these short messages. We are New York. Bernie and Sid in the morning. Hot Radio 77. WABC. some of this. This is Billy Corgan, Smashing Pumpkins. Can you name the three that actually did very, very well with this song? Who wrote it originally? Can you name that? No. Really? No, I can't. You want too much. All right, who would be the, I know Christine McVie also sings with the band, but who would be the lead female singer for Fleetwood Mac? Oh, God. I do know this. It's not God. <laughs> no, it's, no not. it's not. Although she's close. I thought she was. I had a huge crush on her when I was a kid. Now she's about 300 pounds, but. Who is it? Stevie Nicks. There you go. All right. And then uh, this other band that made this song very popular had to change the name of their band, and they once. Um, burned uh, a bunch of albums because they hated George Bush, 43. 
And their lead singer's name was Natalie, and it's not 10,000 Maniacs. Huh. The Chicks? Yes! Who gave that? Peter gave that to you? No, I gave it to myself. No, you didn't. You're such a liar. No, I'm not. Who told you the answer? Nobody. What were they called before the Chicks? What were they called before the (laughs) Chicks? The Irwin Sisters. The Irwin Sisters, that's right. You're all over it. (laughs) Well, how about the Dixie Chicks? You want to go with that? No. Yeah, so he's uh, one of two bands, I guess, in the country... Milou, that have changed their name, right? I mean, uh, Lady Antebellum is now called what? Lady A. That's right. Folks, go to WABCradio.com right now and register for your chance to win a WABC Barry House coffee mug. Barry House Coffee is proud to be the official sponsor of us. We are Bernie and Sid in the morning on Talk Radio 77. WABC, register now, and good luck. Bernie, not here today. As I mentioned uh, at the top of the show, I did read his text that he sent to me about 8 o'clock last night. He did get some results back yesterday. They were not, um, they weren't great. So he did have to start chemotherapy yesterday, which he did at about 5 o'clock yesterday afternoon. And, of course, um, he's way too beat up to come to work today. Hoping he'll be back tomorrow. But uh, he's in a fight. There's no doubt about it. We've tried to, um, at least I have, because he's been out quite a bit. I've, I've tried to minimize the um, the pain, if you will, and... And not delve too much into Bernie's personal life when he's not here. And when he is here, as he was yesterday, he did a terrific job. You can see he's a little uncomfortable talking about this. He's a strong guy, a fighter. Guy works out. He's in great shape. And um, he is sad over what's happened to him over the last month. And I'd rather just talk about stuff on the show and not talk about all this stuff. But, again, as I said an hour ago, I know that you folks are genuinely concerned. The sincerity really shines through, whether it's a Facebook message, Instagram message, text message, phone call I get. And, again, I get maybe 10% of what he gets. But it's um, it's real what he's going through. It's not a joke. It's uh, bad. It is bad. And so yesterday he did start chemotherapy. I think he'll be back tomorrow. But he's in for a fight. But as I know better than anybody, because it was very early in the morning, 19 years ago, as I left my house at the time in Tenafly, New Jersey, and made my way over the George Washington Bridge to the 59th Street Bridge into Astoria, Queens, because at the time WFAN was in Astoria, at the Kaufman Astoria Studios. Uh, I didn't go to work that day to that location. Instead, I made my way to Chelsea, to the Chelsea Piers, where they have this beautiful boxing ring set up. MSNBC television was there in full force. And I missed that day, sold 500 seats at $500 apiece and raised $250,000 for kids with cancer. That's one of the, the, the things that I missed did well. He was a charitable guy, no question. The SIDS disease, uh, sudden infant death syndrome with Joel Hollander. He had the other uh, charity that he worked alongside with, um, uh, what was his name? Uh, um, oh, come on. David... Um, Oh, come! he's going to kill me. I'm sorry. Leslie Slender, help me out here. Tomorrow's Children's Fund. And then, of course, uh, his ranch, Kids with Cancer. So he raised a quarter of a million dollars that day for this big fight between me and Bernie going back 19 years in October. And he beat the living daylights out of me. He beat me to a pulp. Lee Davis at the time was the general manager for CBS and WFAN, and he was yelling to stop the fight in the third round. I never went down. And I continued, pathetically, I, I will remind you, to uh, fight back, but it was all Bernie all the time. Now, look, not to make excuses, 
but I had no idea that Bernard at the time had some boxing uh, training, which he did. I had none. I, I trained for about uh, two days with Teddy Atlas. That was about it. And then on top of that, Danielle was pregnant with Ava. So I moved. I was living in Battery Park and working out hard. I was in good shape. And then in July of that year, I moved to Tenafly, New Jersey. The fight wasn't until October. I spent the next three months eating Kentucky Fried Chicken and ice cream with my very pregnant wife, who gained 78 pounds with Ava. 78. And now, of course, uh, you see Danielle, she's a knockout. A knockout. In fact, you'll be hard-pressed to find. I, I really maintain this. I don't know anybody, and this is no disrespect to your wives and girlfriends, I don't know anybody my wife's age in better shape, with a better body. I don't know anybody. But she gained nearly 80 pounds with Ava, and I gained about 30. Because she'd be like, uh, midnight, Sid, go get. I'm like, I got to be up for Imus in three hours. I need ice cream. I need Kentucky Fried Chicken. So I got fat. And then, of course, um, this is uh, a true story, too, that insiders know that a week before the fight, I went on like a two-day binge, <laughs> a party binge, with a bunch of my um, employee friends at the fan. So needless to say, I was not in tip-top shape the morning of the fight. Sounds like I'm making excuses. That's I know exactly that. what it's uh, Shut up. Well, fine. David Jurist. Thank you, Pete Morgan. The great Pete Morgan. Maybe I am, okay? But um, it wouldn't happen again. <laughs> Not now. I'm in way too good shape now. But needless to say, no one knows better than me, the fighter, that Bernie is. No one knows better. And I'm not using the fight necessarily. That's uh, trying to be cute, I guess. But, I mean, internally, this guy's a fighter. And um, he's going to be okay. But right now, it's It's rough. It is rough. So I'm here again solo this morning. We had a great first hour, though. Got a ton of uh, very nice messages from folks listening all over the country. Thank you for that. We got a big hour coming up. Curtis Lewa is going to join us. He's on New York One right now as we speak, and he'll come on to talk about uh, Eric Adams. He loves doing that, of course. And then Congressman Peter King coming up at 740. So two great guests along with Bill O'Reilly's morning message all coming up this hour. How about that? Is that exciting? That is exciting. Very exciting. Yeah. Now, what time will uh, Curtis be stopping by? I believe he's on New York One right now, so I think he's coming on at like seven twenty-five, right after Bill O'Reilly's morning message. Does that work right. for you? Is that okay? Or? Yeah, that's fine with me. I guess. What do you mean you guess? I don't understand. What's the problem? No, there's no problem at all. Well, you made it. I, I would. I would hate to dig a deeper hole than I already have with Curtis. He's angry with me. Well, he is angry with you, yes. Well, be, why? You're not loyal to him or something? Or No, remember last week you asked me uh, You asked me to start listing the WBC radio hosts. No, no, what happened was Frank Morano, he uh, uh, listed who he thinks are the best hosts at WABC. And uh, he was very kind to put me at number one. Thank you, Frank. And he put Curtis at number two. And then he went on to mention other hosts. And then you, uh, I guess, you were going over the talent at the station in an effort to explain why Frank chose who he did, and you completely left out Curtis. You I left didn't him out completely. I didn't deliberately leave him out. Well, you First did. Off, no, no, I'm not saying you deliberately did it, but you you, you left him out. I you, did leave him out. Right. Right. You the just said, you, you, "What are you, Eric Adams?" I didn't leave him out. I left him out. <laughs> I mean, jeez, I left him out. I will. I will take accountability for that act. Yeah. But the way you asked the question was, you just wanted me to rattle off the host. You didn't give me any direction to order them in any no, we didn't want, sort of... we didn't want order. We just want you to rattle off the host. And you even doing that, even doing that, you forgot his name, which was very, very, it wasn't nice. I'm sorry. Well, don't be sorry. I don't care. 
No, I'm saying it to Curtis. Well, I'm say, sorry, Curtis. Say it to him Where, when he comes out. Wherever you are. He's at New York one. All right. He's talking about subway crime. Is he going to talk about the same thing with you? I probably, I, that's my, no, he's going to talk about the Buccaneers and the Rams. Would you like that? It's going to be a good game. Hey, Curtis did do sports talk radio at one point. Did you know that? No. Yeah, he did. He actually did. He knows a lot about the Yankees. He's a very, very big Yankee fan, even the history of the Yanks. And he's been a Giants fan, I think, his, his whole life, too. So he can do it. I mean, he's not going to be able to. He's not Christopher Mad Dog Russo. He can't tell you who carried the football on second and eight, early second quarter, Packers, Cowboys, and the ice ball. But he can do it. And he's done it. He's actually he has done it. So No, I believe it. He knows uh, a lot about everything. He knows a lot about a lot of stuff. When I went on the train with him, I had just gotten to New York. I was here a month. I arrived in uh, January of 2016 to work with Bernard. Again, we're coming up. Only, uh, wow, what's today's date? The 19th. Oh, my God, we're exactly eight days away from our six-year anniversary together, me and Bernard, eight days away, starting middays until we replaced Imus. But I was here about a month, and uh, Curtis, who was one of the guys that got me back here, along with Chad Lopez being the main guy, he said, um, listen, Sid, you're a big, tough guy, lifting all those weights, blah, blah, blah. Hop on the trains with us tonight, the, uh, the Guardian Angels, and... Um, Help us patrol Brooklyn. I said, sure. My wife and kids were in Florida anyway. I was living with my sister in Mill Basin, Brooklyn, so my nights were wide open. I said, sure, let's do that. Why not? I'd love to do it. So I slapped on the red beret, looked like an idiot, and uh, the red jacket, and I went with Curtis on the train, and it was the most educational experience. If they taught my kids in school what Curtis told me that night, I'd be more than happy paying the six-figure uh, uh uh, what is it? I guess uh, tuition I pay now, which I do pay six figures for Gable to go to private school on the Upper West Side. I'd be more than happy. It was so educated. Every single stop, every stop on the train, Curtis had a story. This is Murder, Inc. This is where this guy died. This is where the Jews did this. This is where the Italians did that. This is where the Irish did that. I'm not kidding you. It was just it was unbelievable. This guy knows everything about this city. That's why he should have been mayor, not this Eric Adams Putts should have been Curtis. He's bled for this city, literally bled for this city, and he knows everything. So he's going to come on and talk about, um, I don't know, the Packers and the, uh, who are they playing? 49ers. Who are the four games this weekend? Uh, four games this weekend. Let's yeah. check it out. Uh, let's see. You got No, no, uh, you got to know this off the top of your head. What are you doing? Head, you, all right, you got Bengals and Titans on right. Sunday. I don't know what time. I think that's, no, that's, the, Saturday. that's the early or Saturday. That's the first that's, Saturday. That's the earlier game on Saturday. Yeah. Well, then you got Niners at Packers. Oh, hold on a second. Now, Luke, on, hold on. Luke, what is it, Luke? I can't believe him. Justin's so on top of his game all the time. And I can't, the, the, the one time. day I move, he's, yeah. he's off his game. He is off his game a little bit, right? I mean, he's still brilliant because... Even when he gets stuff wrong, it's funny. So he, he's brilliant no matter what. But he um, he doesn't know a lot of stuff. They don't make him much better than Justin Elk. <laughs> they don't? You can watch this show at WABCradio.tv, and we, um, we compel you to do that every morning. Right now, again, you can see my two beautiful pins today. One given to me by John Katsimatidis and Chad Lopez, the 77 WABC American flag, and the other from the Patterson Police Department, Courtesy of my friend Lou Spagnola wearing two pins on two lapels, and I love it. Watch us again at WABCradio.tv this morning and every morning. Okay, so you got Bill O'Reilly's morning message coming up next, then Curtis Sliwa, then Congressman Peter King. How great is that? That's really awesome stuff. And then even after all that, we're only going to be halfway done. And oh then my God. I know Lydia reports. We've got Joe Pinion. He's running against Chuck Schumer, a good friend of mine. 
We've got Beat Sid. And, of course, the phones are wide open, as always, 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. It's the Wednesday Hump Day edition of the best talk show in the country. We are Bernie and Sid in the morning, right here on Talk Radio 77, WABC. Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up from the NRIA.net studios in New York. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. AMAC is the leading conservative advocacy and benefits organization. AMAC gives you access to exclusive benefits, insightful news, and a magazine full of uncensored content. They are pushing back against efforts to defund the police, weaken the borders, and corrupt our youth. But they need your help. Please stand with AMAC at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. On this Wednesday, I am thinking about how American voters are changing. When Joe Biden was sworn in one year ago, 49% of voters told Gallup they were Democrats, 49%. Now the number has shrunk to 40%. One year ago, Republicans numbered 40%. Now, 47%. That is one big turnaround. Again, this is according to the Gallup polling people. There are two reasons for the turnaround. The first is President Biden. As everyone knows, including his own supporters, he's having a lot of trouble governing this nation. And we are not in a good place. Inflation is a personal horror for most Americans. And then we have a collapsing border. We have strife everywhere. Do you know that Joe Biden has spent nearly 30% of his time in office at his vacation home in Delaware? I mean, come on. The second reason is progressive policies. San Francisco is now just about unlivable. In Chicago, thousands of mostly poor people are being shot in the street. And in New York City, there's almost a rebellion against the terrible progressive policies. You add Biden and the progressives together, and you have people fleeing the Democratic Party. That is the morning O'Reilly update. More analysis later on. Right now on 77 WABC, stay informed with Bernie and Sid in the morning at 5. It's Cats at Night with John Katsimatidis on 77 WABC. Alphaville, Forever Young, 728 
on your Wednesday morning. Congressman Peter King coming up next. Curtis Sliwa, Joe Pinion along the way. Lydia reports beats it all still to come your way. Do have some uh, sound here from Jen Psaki. Well, she's just too much. If you don't know, later on today at 4 o'clock, the president, it's hard to say that, Joe Biden, who uh, one thing, uh, well, many things, Bernie and I agree on a lot more stuff than we disagree on. I'll tell you that. And I've been able to sway Bernie quite a bit on a lot of things since he swayed me about Donald Trump way back when, including Eric Adams. But um, one thing we agree about is that Joe Biden, in one year, one year, he's only a quarter of the way through, is the worst president in the history of this country. Now, look, Bernie wanted to feel that. He'll tell you, no, 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 I want him to succeed. And I believe that's true. Bernie wants America to be at its very, very best. But I think he's less disappointed (laughs) than other Americans because he really wants to get Trump back in the White House, as do I. Uh, To Bernie's point, and we both agree on this, Biden is the worst president in the history of this nation one year in. I was there for Jimmy Carter, folks. I remember the gas lines. I remember the inflation. I remember the hostage crisis in Iran when Ted Cobble started his career. I remember boycotting the Olympics. I remember 1979, there was a feeling in this country. People were, were really embarrassed to be Americans. They were just embarrassed. And in comes this suave actor, bedtime for Bonzo, Ronald Reagan in 1980, took over, of course, in 1981. He completely changed all of that. We were proud to be Americans again. We beat the Russians in the Olympics in hockey, and uh, we got the hostages out of Iran, and it was morning in America again. And hopefully that'll be the case when Biden leaves office in 2024. And much like Ronald Reagan did in 1981, Donald Trump does the same in 2024. But this guy's going to speak to the nation today at 4 o'clock and tell us, you can't make this up, all the progress he's made. Where? Let me ask you this, Justin. You're smarter than... Maybe we should go to Luke. I don't know. <laughs> You're smarter than most people, right? Than the average Joe? No. But you went to our sinus college. Sure, yeah, no, okay. J.D. Salinger went there. Yeah, based on that, um, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we'll, we'll go with you anyway. You're, you're all I've got. Bernie's not here today, so. <laughs> yeah. uh, COVID, how have you done with that? Uh, personally, I've no. had it. Uh, no, not you, you moron. How has Joe Biden done with it? Oh, then why are you asking? Why would you say, how, do, how have you done with that? How has he done with COVID? Terrible. Okay. The border crisis. God awful. Okay. Uh, 13 dead in Afghanistan. How's this foreign policy? Absolutely abysmal. Mm-hmm. How about uh, race relations in the country? BLM, uh, all these uh, folks running wild. How's that going so far? Disgusting. Mm. Not that good. Uh, what about inflation and uh, supply shortages and the economy in general? Depressing. Mm-hmm. So then what, what am I missing? Uh, if you're right, and I think you are, I think you've... Uh, well, you've I've, actually... run, I've run out of adjectives, so yeah. I can't... Uh, That's okay. Um, you yeah. used the same one like four times. Uh, what, what, uh, what, exact, what am I missing? What has he done well? Um, what has he done well? Yeah. Other than uh, give us a laugh from time to time, nothing much. Well, he, you know, the laugh because – but we're laughing at him. Yes, right? yes, yes. We're not laughing with him. Right. Like Trump was funny. Trump made us laugh. I mean, he wasn't as funny. Like Bernie would sit here belly laughing, scratching his stomach. Like Bernie, calm down. Jill was even worse. But he was funny at times. He was. Yeah. Uh, this guy, we just laugh at him. Like when you fall up the stairs, that's funny, right? Yeah. All it's, right. Yeah. So he's going to tell us all the progress he's made, and, and uh, we just went through this little exercise. We don't see any, right? In fact, we see America going backwards in a big, 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 big way, right? In a big way. I see regression. All right. Here's Jen Psaki explaining what we're going to hear today from Joe Biden. 
In terms of voting rights, it's never a good idea not to shoot for the moon with what your proposals are and what you're fighting for. The alternative is to fight for nothing hard. Oftentimes, is you don't get everything done in the first year. Coming into an incredibly difficult circumstance, fighting a pandemic, a massive economic downturn as a result, an administration that was prior to us that did not oh. effectively deal with a lot of these crises, oh, that, that there's been a lot of progress made. Mm-hmm. We need to build on that. The right. work is not done. The job mm-hmm. is not done. No, of course it's not done. It hasn't even started yet. You guys are pathetic. But, of course, you found a way to blame Donald Trump there. Never mentioned his name, but talked about, quote, unquote, the administration before. So now the Russians are about to invade Ukraine. You know that. So we got Anthony Blinken, you talk about Biden being the worst president, Kamala Harris being the worst vice president. Anthony Blinken may very well be the worst secretary of state ever, too. you got to give this administration credit. They're consistent top to bottom as the absolute worst. He's on his way to uh, Russia today, Anthony Blinken, and here's Jen Psaki on that. At that meeting, uh, Secretary Blinken will urge Russia to take immediate steps to de-escalate. Uh, he will also fly to Kiev to consult with President Zelensky and Ukraine's leaders right. and to Germany for consultations. Mm-hmm. Right. So, of course, Russia, they don't care. Putin couldn't give a rat's ass what Biden thinks or Saki thinks or any of that. Now, he didn't do any of this stuff when Trump was in power because, uh, much like the, the psycho in, in North Korea and even the Chinese, people didn't mess with Donald Trump. They don't care about these folks. So, as we're speaking, you know that the Russians have every option on the table, including invading the Ukraine. Here's Jen Psaki on that. No option is off the table. In our view, we continue consulting closely with European counterparts on severe consequences for Russia if it further invades Ukraine. So there you have it. We'll talk more about this with Congressman Peter King coming up next, being that not only did he do a great job for four decades here on Long Island, but, of course, Department of Homeland Security, so he knows more about foreign policy, quite frankly, than Biden and Saki combined. Traffic and sports are coming up next, but right now it is time for the 77 WABC Clip of the Day. It's my guy, Larry Kudlow. You know, we sat next to Larry and his wife, me and Danielle, at the um, Margot Katzmatidi's birthday party. Very interesting guy. Loves to show Yellowstone. And did more cocaine than I did. Yeah. And yet still worked for Donald Trump and is considered a genius in the economic field, as he really is. Larry Cocaina. <laughs> That's right. He's on every Saturday from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Here, Cudlow talks about Alvin Bragg's refusal to pursue crime. The district attorney of Manhattan, his name is Bragg, Alvin Bragg, I think his name is. This guy is for no bail and no jail. No bail, no jail. Running completely opposite to what uh, our new mayor Eric Adams is trying to achieve. But Democrats, uh, I hate to generalize because I don't mean all Democrats, but it just seems like big city Democratic mayors and leaders don't want to pursue crime. All right, Larry Kudlow there talking about the new Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg, and his refusal to fight crime. Although Alvin Bragg had the balls to show up last night at the Vigilant Times Square for the young Asian lady that was pushed to her death by a crazed homeless man living in New York City.
Collins in Genesis. I will follow you. Coming up at 825, Lydia reports Joe Pinion. He's running against Chuck Schumer. I like Joe. I've worked with him over at Newsmax. He's coming up at 840. Curtis Sliwa coming up at 9. He was just on New York 1 and Beach Sid coming up at 940. But we put this time aside every Wednesday for a guy that not only was an amazing congressman out of Long Island for the better part of four decades, also served the country well, Homeland Security, and uh, responsible along with uh, John Stewart and others for folks receiving monies from 9-11 for like the next 100 years. And much like Bo Deedle, more important than all of that, he's just a dear, dear friend of both of ours, me and Bernard. Here he is, uh, the great congressman Peter King, who I think is still on Saturdays with the judge on the FM side, too. Peter, good morning. How are you, pal? He said, I'm doing great. Let's uh, all of us hope and pray that Bernie does great, too. He's a great guy. And you said before, a great fighter. I've never met a guy as tough as Bernie. Uh, smart, tough. He's going to make it. I think so, too. Uh, you know, I've seen people in this position. Look, uh, what's happened in the last month has been scary for me to watch it. Uh, he'll admit it himself. He said to me yesterday, he goes, Sid, look at me the last month. But I've seen this before. Guys in their 60s, prostate cancer, chemotherapy, all the issues he's going through that were playing tennis a year later in West Palm Beach. And, and I think Bernie is, is one of those guys. So but we've seen this before, right, Peter? The people just they come back. Yeah, but I wouldn't expect to see Bernie playing tennis in West Palm Beach <laughs> in the ring, knocking the hell out of some guy. That's a good point. You're right about that. He'd be back in the ring doing that. All right, Peter, let's get to this big press conference. Comes our way at 4 o'clock this afternoon. I just played sound from Jen Psaki, and uh, she did exactly what Joe Biden will do later on today. I, I'm predicting this. You can write it down, Pete, 1,000%, that if there's any issue here in the United States that he has not been able to quote-unquote fix it's because of Donald Trump. In other words, he will take zero accountability for messing up everything. You think my prediction is right? Absolutely right. He's going to say everything, including, for instance, things like the vaccine. He's going to say that very few people were vaccinated when he came into office. That's because the vaccine just started then. But it was Donald Trump that gave him the vaccine. So, I mean, this is uh, really cheap stuff by him. Uh, they, uh, you know, People are getting tired of it. Listen, I... You know, you look at it now and you think, couldn't the American people have seen through him when he was running? Well, listen, you know, people may have been tired with Donald Trump. They got used to the fact that we had no inflation, the fact that we had jobs, and even the fact that, you know, Trump had gotten us the vaccine. And they figured it's time to calm down a bit. Let's go with Joe Biden. How bad can he be? Well, now they're seeing how bad he can be, and they're seeing the mistake that they made. Yeah, I mean, I actually, I voted for Trump enthusiastically, and I was sad when he lost. But uh, you know, Peter, more than Bernie, I was really willing to give him the chance. I really was. But I can't think of one thing that he's done well. I just can't. We went over the list just moments ago, me and uh, and Justin here, from the border to the COVID situation you just mentioned to what happened in Afghanistan. That, that of course, falls into foreign policy, inflation, the economy. I can't think of, maybe I'm, I'm missing something, one thing that I can say, you know what? He's done a pretty good job. Can you? The only thing I could say is I think he's done okay in Asia so far. The jury is still out. China is moving. He is working with Taiwan. He is working with Japan. He is working with South Korea. What it adds up to, I don't know. But he's certainly been a failure in Afghanistan, certainly with Russia. Now, all the phony talk, by the way, which was the biggest scandal ever, the fact that uh, the accusation that Donald Trump was somehow colluding with Russia. No one was tougher on Russia than Donald Trump. Can you imagine Putin even thinking of doing this? Never. Moving 130,000 troops to the border, threatening uh, all these threats against the U.S. You've got to do this, you've got to do that. Nothing. They were scared stiff of Donald Trump. And same with the Allies. You know, they, they bitch and they complain. But the fact is that Europe was never more solid against Russia than Donald Trump was there. And you go, again, all, all, the Middle East, the Middle East for years, we had every top 
diplomat and statesman shuttling back and forth, trying to get peace agreements. He got them almost overnight. I mean, yep. it took the three years, but once they really got going, yeah, you know, agreement with the Arab, you know, different Arab countries actually signing at the White House with Netanyahu. I mean, whoever thought that would happen? And yet Donald Trump brought them together. He got out of the deal with Iran, which was a horrible, terrible deal to be involved with in the first place. And now you have Joe Biden almost begging the Iranians to let us back into a deal which gives them really the, the ability to develop nuclear weapons. It's absolute insanity. He's done a terrible job, Joe Biden. And I just wish that Donald Trump would sort of calm down a bit. Let Republicans take the case against Biden. Don't make it about him. Make it about Joe Biden. Well, he has done that. And I think whether it's Bill O'Reilly or shows like this or you, uh, listen, his ears are pinned. His kids' ears are pinned. They listen to us every day. So he has done that to his credit. He did, you know, he canceled his, uh, for example, his press conference on January 6th, which was a no-win situation. So I think Donald is approaching this much better, knowing full well that he, that Joe Biden is destroying himself every day, and Donald doesn't have to highlight that. In terms of Russia, though, do you think it's a foregone conclusion they will, in fact, invade the Ukraine? Uh, again, I don't know, but they wouldn't even be threatening this. I think Russia will not pull back unless they get something. Uh, and I, I don't know what that could be. I don't know what – I mean, I, I can think of any number of things that Biden could concede. I don't think he should, uh, should concede any of them. Uh, Putin is doing this after he saw what happened in Afghanistan. Putin was emboldened. And so Putin, I think, has to get something out of this. Otherwise, we could see an invasion. But uh, the, the fact that we're at this uh, crisis state is only because Putin does not think Biden is strong enough and tough enough and is able to see it through. I mean, again, after he saw what happened in Afghanistan, after he seen the way uh, Trump, I mean, Biden, Joe Biden stopped us from developing our pipelines here in the United States and allowed Russia to complete its pipeline in Europe. I mean, making us going from energy independent to dependent because Putin now has a lot of upper hands. He can you know, basically threaten to cut off fuel to, uh, to Europe. So. Uh, again, I hope the president does well on this. I mean, this is this is too serious for politics. We don't want because going into Ukraine may in and of itself may not sound like the end of the world, but that could cause the unraveling of NATO, the unraveling of the status quo in Europe. That could embolden China. I mean, it's uh, once once the uh, it's, you know these things start. They can cascade out of control. No question. Congressman Peter King doing a great job here this morning. Every Wednesday at 740. Check him out Saturday afternoons on the FM side with the judge. So Daniel and I were watching TV last night, Peter, watching NBC. And uh, a commercial came on with Sean White, who I guess is a a boarder, I guess. He does that board in the Olympics, you know. And it inspired a conversation between me and my wife. And I said, look – I understand China unleashed the virus. I understand China would love to see the United States blown off the map. I get all that. I understand that. That's the truth, by the way. Uh, but I also uh, feel badly for these kids. They've worked their whole lives to get to this point to compete in the Olympics. So for me, I'm okay with us competing. She's like, no, no, no way. Don't spend money there. Don't give those people anything. And I think more people tend to agree with Danielle than they do with me. What are your feelings on the U.S. competing in China in the Olympics? I'm sure if I were an athlete, I would want to go. But you know, I look back on the 1936 uh, Olympics in Berlin. I think a lot of people now say it was really right for the United States to give that kind of uh, publicity and acclaim to Hitler, to let them preside over these international games. And in many ways, listen, nothing compares to Hitler and the Holocaust. But right now, what is going on with China, the way they are expanding, the way they are basically torturing the Uyghur population in China, the way they're just moving, again, throughout the year, uh, Far East, uh, the way they are, basically, again, you know, going back to the virus, obviously that was horrible. 
I, I, I would think we should not take part. Okay. But I'm not going to criticize an athlete who wants to. But I think in the long view, uh, it would look, it would seem, and it would send a much better signal if the United States says because of the evil that's going on, because of the persecution, we are not going to have uh, our, our teams compete. But right. again, I. If I had been an athlete who had that kind of skill and that type of dedication, I, I can see why you know, they want to go. But I think that as a leader of a country, it would be the better idea not to go. All right. So Peter King agreeing with Danielle again and uh, not with Sid. Let's go to uh, Eric Adams, who was at this vigil yesterday for this uh, lovely lady who was pushed to her death in front of a speeding subway on Saturday. I want to play for you, Peter, what Eric Adams said the day after her murder and then what he said yesterday when he had his people, I'm sure, he didn't do come up with this by himself. His people say to him, hey, Eric, are you stupid? Why would you say that? Let's hear the two different uh, points of view coming from Eric Adams on this horrible tragedy over the last three days. We know that public safety is not only actual, but it's perceived. Yeah, yeah. And when you have an incident like this, the perception is what we're fighting against. Okay, perception this is a safe system. Yeah. Because of the job that the transit officers have carried I out. Of this. So you heard the perception. Has- now, now, here is Eric Adams yesterday after claiming it's only perception, Peter, two days ago. I saw the homelessness, the yelling, the screaming early in the morning. Uh, crimes right outside of the platform. We're going to make sure New Yorkers feel safe in our subway system. And they don't feel that way now. I don't feel that way when I take the Stop train it right every day. So now he says New Yorkers don't feel that way. And, quote, I don't feel that way. I'm dizzy, Peter. Which one is it? I don't know. And he's sending mixed signals. Listen, I'm one of those who had a lot of hope for Eric Adams. I still want to have hope and faith that he gets the job done, but he's sending really mixed signals here. You can't, on the one hand, say that Alvin Bragg is a good DA, and on the other hand, saying that you're standing with the cops. You can't say that it's uh, only a, a, a perception that the subways are uh, deadly, and now, you know, the next day saying that he's scared. And also, what he's talking about that event that he saw, I guess, three guys fighting in the street. Listen, that's going on, unfortunately, all over the place in New York. That's the least of the problems we have. But those people, I mean, I don't recall... And ever, maybe once every 10 years or something, somebody being pushed on the subway tracks. Now it seems like it's every few weeks, every yep. few months this is going on. Is. This disrespect for law and order. You know, listen, I, I get a lot of my wisdom these days. There's a local 7-Eleven here in Wontaw. There's a guy, a Warner, he runs it, Warner. He's mm-hmm. like the local mayor. Mm-hmm. And people stand there, they sit around, they talk. It's not, it's not like a regular 7-Eleven. Yeah. And just the, the change in perception toward Eric Adams, I've noticed in the last few weeks. People who want him to succeed, but this whole idea, you can't have it both ways. You know, you can negotiate a tax bill, you can negotiate a highway bill, you can you know, uh, negotiate some agriculture bill. It's hard to negotiate. You can't negotiate law and order. I mean, if you have it or you don't. And you can't be saying that uh, you're going to uh, let the cops do their job. On the other hand, support a DA who said he's not going to lock people but, up for resisting arrest. But look, I'm he's not. Go. He's got to take a tough stand. Uh, agreed. He's come out and yeah. Time is running out. Time is running out. Listen, I'm not smarter than you. I'm not smarter than Bernie and or Bo Deedle. But I'm going to take credit for this one. I have said this throughout the whole campaign that I'm not a fan of this guy. And he didn't just start, start, Peter, this week talking out of both sides of his mouth. He did that his whole campaign. He was the one guy that tried to keep Republicans and Democrats happy. Say what you want about Curtis with his beret and the cats and all that nonsense. He was a man of conviction. Eric Adams was none of that during his campaign. He's the same guy now. Uh, listen, you could be right. I hope you're not. You could be. And, again, I, I had hopes for him. I uh, spoke to him several times during the campaign. Not that he relies on me, and I don't even know him that well. But a few times I was with him, I spoke with him. 
He pledged to be stand with the cops to get the job done. Then, on the other hand, then he starts talking about white supremacy here in New York. I mean, <laughs> I mean come on. It's all sending sending the wrong message. <laughs> right. And after, listen, give him a few weeks maybe to walk both sides to try to figure it out. But after he's got to come down on the side of the police, on the side of law and order. He's got to denounce these progressive politicians, especially those wackos in the New York City Council, the state legislature. And you can't, again, you can't be having it both ways. It's a... Uh, this is too serious. It's too critical. We're at a turning point right now in New York City. Giuliani was able to get it done. In many ways, Koch got it done in turning the spirit of the city around. Giuliani uh, got it done by just, again, crushing crime. Bloomberg and Ray Kelly and Bill Bratton, they all kept that going. You can't have it both ways. And he's, uh, we are at a crisis moment right now. This is a turning point in New York City. It's up to Eric Adams to get it done. I still think he can't if he puts his heart and soul into it. I think he wants to, but he's got to realize he can't play both sides with the characters, the group of characters he has to deal with. What a uh, great appearance today, Peter, uh, and obviously your sincere uh, words about Bernard. I know you guys are very close for a long time. You're, you're friends with Bernie longer than you're friends with me, so thank you for that. But what a great appearance. Uh, thank you so much. You're great on Wednesdays. We appreciate it. We both love you. Thank you so much. Great shit. Thank you. All right, my man. Hold on. Keep here on hold. I've got a personal question for him. And uh, we'll take a short break. Still to come, a lot more to come, by the way. Joe Pinion winning against Chuck Schumer. Curtis Sliwa, the latest on the subways. Lydia reports beat Sid only halfway through the hump day edition of Bernie and Sid Wednesday morning. Right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. We are New York. Bernie and Sid in the morning. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Six on your hump day Wednesday morning, back for hour number three of the Bernie and Sid in the morning show. Still to come this hour, Lydia reports and Joe Pinion, friend of mine who I worked with last year at Newsmax, running against Chuck Schumer next year. And then in the nine o'clock hour, we'll talk to Curtis Sliwa. He was just on New York One and played Beat Sid. I'm going to start the eight o'clock hour the way I started the six o'clock hour because you folks saw Bernie here yesterday and, um, Again, I'll say it, courageous, warrior, all the words we use to describe our service, men and women. It works in this case. I, I said it a few hours ago. I get angry. You know, Alonzo Mourning, when he was a center for the Miami Heat, used to describe himself as a, as a warrior, you know. Give me a break, please. Grabbing a rebound, hitting a shot, making $100 million, you know, warrior. A warrior is a kid who walks into a lonely cave in Afghanistan with a gun at 18 years old and has no idea whether he'll make it through the day. That's a warrior. A warrior is a guy that gets up in the middle of the night in the freezing cold when his body is ravaged by cancer, feels like crap, and puts on a four-hour show with me. 
That's Bernie. Bernie was here yesterday. He was not well. And he didn't fool anybody. <laughs> His voice is uh, frail. He, uh, he doesn't feel well. He's lost a lot of weight. He said to me yesterday, he said, Sid, this is a month. He goes, what's happened to me in a month? I said, listen. So we have a lot of conversations that I don't tell you about, a lot. And then we have conversations that I do tell you about because, as I've said, throughout this whole ordeal for Bernie, please, this is not about me. You guys send me stuff every day. I'm sorry for you. This is not about me. Listen, I love Bernard. Bernie and I have been really, really, really good friends for the better part of 20-plus years. Really good friends. And we, we made our mark together in the early 2000s on IMIS. We had that silly boxing match in 2003. This is not a eulogy, folks. This is not a eulogy. He's, he's, he's going to make it. He's fine. But I do want to point out that we've had a, a love affair for a long time. And when I was fired by WFN in 2005 and spent the next 11 years at three different stations in Miami trying desperately to get back to New York, and I thought I would get back one day at FAN, never here at ABC, Bernie was one of the catalysts, if not the main catalyst, to get me back because he wrote in my book, my first book, my second book about to come out in June, and I think it's going to be really good, if not great. But my first book, You're Wrong and You're Ugly, which was uh, written back in 2010. It's now 12 years old. Uh, A lot of folks wrote chapters in the book that are famous here in New York. For example, Pat Riley wrote a chapter. And the chapters were about me, their relationship with me, and what they thought about me in the business. Um, a lot of the guys on the I'm Show wrote chapters. Mike Breen, Tiki Barber, Howard Stern's guys wrote chapters. Jim Nance, Bill Sims, Lawrence Taylor, all that stuff. And the very last sentence of Bernie's chapter, which was pretty lengthy. It was about a page and a half. You should read it. He said, I'm going to work with Sid one day. This is 12 years ago. And that came to fruition six years ago. In fact, we are eight days away, eight days away from celebrating the six-year anniversary of the Bernie and Sid show started middays here on WABC, thanks to the courage that Chad Lopez displayed. Because a lot of guys wanted to bring me back to New York, a lot. They wanted to bring me back. They know I know what I'm doing here, and I generate revenue. I do all that stuff great, but they were scared to death, and they should have been scared to death. Because my history was drug addiction, alcohol addiction, all these issues, and I missed time, not nearly as much as the press would make you believe, but it was a bit scary. Chad said, I'm bringing him back. The guy's great. I'm bringing him back, and it's worked out great. So our relationship dates back to all that time ago when Bernie just said 12 years ago, we're going to make this happen, and we have. So I... um. I'm going to read this text that Bernie sent to me last night. He sent me a picture. He does this often lately of him in a hospital bed, which I, I can really do without. Um, and he sends me this. He says, receiving chemo at about 5 p.m. Now, when he left yesterday, I said to Bernard, I said, you're finding out your results of all these tests he's been having over the last month. He's been getting tested almost every day. I said, what's the worst case scenario? He said, well... If they find out that this thing has metastasized or gotten worse, I may need chemo. I don't know exactly how bad it is, whether it's uh, spread all over one place. I don't know that. I don't want to alarm everybody and make it sound worse than it is. I can't stand that when people do that. The overly dramatic. I'm not doing that. All I'm telling you is what he said. Received chemo at about 5 p.m. The fight has just intensified with this cancer. He actually uh, put two curses there, which I'm going to leave out. 
Left Sloan Kettering after 8 p.m. As I drive home, I can tell you, Sid, I'm not going to make it in in the a.m. With apologies, bro. You were stellar this morning, Sid. Juggling a horrific personal tragedy with whatever other stuff we talked about. Despite my painful visage, I was proud to spend three and a half hours with you today on the air. With much love and respect, love you, Bernard, with a heart emoji. So that's where we are. So uh, my feeling is he'll be back tomorrow. You know, usually after chemo, it takes at least a day. You know, you get the the crap knocked out of you. Um, So I'm hoping he'll be back tomorrow. Moving forward, I don't know what the schedule is going to be like. I don't know how he's going to feel. I don't know exactly how bad this is, if it's even that bad at all. I mean, I got this really uh, alarming but beautiful message from Mike Breen this morning, the voice of the Knicks and the NBA, who's been friendly with Bernard for many, many, many years. Bernard introduced Mike to his wife. I don't have the answers, and I hate talking about stuff I don't know about. Here's your chance to jump in. Well, you do that every day. See that? Very good. Yeah. You know me better than I know myself. Right. Uh, I hate doing that. So uh, I just read you exactly what he read me. I don't have any more insight to the situation now than all of you out there have. That's how much I respect our listening audience because you guys have blown me away the last month and a half or so. I've always known, for the most part, you're great people. I, You know, I complain and bitch about a couple of jerk-offs on Facebook who are idiots, you know. Sid talks too much about him, so I mean, come on. Uh, the overwhelming majority of you folks are terrific, but you've really, you've really shown your loyalty, your sincerity, your love, specifically for my man Bernie over the last couple of months, and I feel like, at the very least, I should let you guys know what's going on. So, again, I know nothing more than you know right now. Nothing more. And uh, I expect him back tomorrow, and we'll take it from there. Is that uh, is that okay? That's very fair. All right. I would say. One day at a time. Yeah, I mean, in this case, that's true, too. I, I have to live by that uh, myself, being in more 12-step programs than anybody you know. <laughs> uh, remember that TV show, how horrible it was, and it did so well. Valerie Bertinelli and Bonnie Franklin and the the daughter of the guy that, um, I think he actually raped her. It was terrible. So, uh, Mackenzie, Mackenzie Phillips. Her father was one of the singers in uh, The Mamas and the Papas, scumbag, John Phillips. Anyway, that was one day at a time, and that's what I do, and that's what Bernie is doing. So that's what you have. Coming up next segment, 825, Lydia reports. 840, Joe Pinion, running against Chuck Schumer. 9 o'clock, Curtis Sliwa, and 9.40, Beat Sid. So a very exciting two hours about to come your way. We should play some of this audio from the vigil yesterday, Times Square. And we had uh, Eric Adams there, the mayor. He sucks. We had the attorney general, Letitia, Adam, uh, Letitia James, there. She sucks. He's wasting her time and taxpayer money trying to get on Donald Trump claiming that um, he's hid billions of assets. This is what she's worried about, this this Letitia James. Not the fact that people die in the streets every day in New York City. Not the fact that you have these local DAs that allow criminals to run wild on the streets. She's still worried about Donald Trump. These are the people that are in charge. These morons. Seriously, I'm so sick of all of them. All of them. Eric Adams, Letitia James, Chuck Schumer, you name it. They're just... They're just the, the dumbest people God ever created, all of them. I hate to say it, but that's a fact. But uh, put, him, uh, put a mic in front of him at a horrific uh, event, after a horrific event like this, where a young, beautiful Asian girl is shoved in front of a, a speeding subway and killed by some crazy homeless guy, and they all sound like they got all the answers, all of them. Here's uh, Eric Adams at last night's vigil. 
losing this wonderful young lady. The death of Michelle ripped at my heart to see what happened to her and to see what has happened in our city months after month or what has happened to the AAPI community and sitting in meetings and meeting family members and seniors and elders who are afraid to walk the street, afraid to do the daily interactions that they've done so many years in this great city. I'm recommitted to ensure that this will not happen in our city. We have to do this together. I don't want the knee-jerk reaction of going through our subway system and going through our streets and demonizing those who have slipped through the cracks. All right, Eric, thank you for that. Here is Attorney General Letitia James. She took time aside from worrying about Donald Trump, this uh, derangement syndrome that she suffers from as much as anybody, and she spoke at the vigil last night in Times Square as well. Stand with the AAPI community, the African-American community, the Latino community, the Jewish community. All of us are one, shoulder to shoulder, arm in arm, with no space between us, and we stand against hate, and we stand as one. This is the only way that we will resolve this, to show to those that we are one, and we will not be divided. No. Yes, AAPI lives matter, and AAPI voices must be heard. Scripture teaches me. Enough, enough. Okay, thank you, Scripture. I don't need the Bible to teach you anything, lady. If the city hasn't taught you what the hell to do all these years, forget about the Bible. Don't get me wrong. It's a beautiful book, and I'm, I, I respect every religion. That was written a long time ago. Tell me what's going on in my city right now, my state right now. Don't tell me about Donald Trump. So Adams, he was in the Bronx. You know, there was this terrible fire again and a, and a gas explosion. Not that far removed from 17 people dying from that uh, space heater, I guess, in that building. We had Daniel Nigro on the show in the Bronx, and yesterday there was a gas explosion. And there's at least one dead, a 77-year-old lady, a few other victims that were hurt seriously. A few firefighters were hurt, too. In fact, let's get to Eric Adams for talking about this fire in the Bronx yesterday. Right now, we have eight injured, one fatality. Uh, our hearts go, uh, hearts go out to the family members. So he was in the Bronx talking about this gas explosion tragedy, Eric Adams. And he went on to talk about how he promises. And don't do this, Eric. Don't do this. Because since you're in office, I know it's only been three weeks, it's completely unfair to judge you after three weeks. Even I admit that, and I don't like you. I don't like you. I think you're full of it. But it's completely unfair. But don't make promises, Eric Adams, you can't keep. This may very well be one of them, number one. One officer shot is one officer too many. One civilian shot is one civilian too many. Our city must be safe. That's the promise I made, and that's the promise I'm going to keep. Well, be careful. Be careful, because the crime numbers have gone up, up, since you've taken over this mayor duty three weeks ago. 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Got a bunch of good guests stopping by. The phones remain open. Your chance at cash and prizes coming up with Beat Sid. So we've got a lot to do. The Wednesday edition of Bernie and Sid, only right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Lydia Serrani, Lydia Reports, is next. This, this 
is the news and talk station of New York with Bernie and Sid in the morning. What is going on? Real, Real. New York 77 WABC. I remember waking up the next morning going, I'm 33 years old, and I can't believe it's over. And I didn't listen to Imus, to be honest with you. I listened to you. Right. You know? And, but, uh, well, so does Imus. Of course. <laughs> yeah. But in the 70s, when I was a kid going to school, my dad would listen to Imus. You know? Right, right. Before you were a monster star. And, and so I thought I knew a little bit about the show. So I figured when I got there, it was just total zany. No idea that he was trying to become a different type of guy. You well, know? here you are, a sports expert, and I can see you got the gift of gab and everything. But Thank sometimes, you. like, maybe you got to rein it in just a little bit and play the game. I just hit I know, I know, that's 15 years old, but, and I played that a couple of times, but when Howard Stern, who I still love, I know Bernie hates him, and a lot of you out there hate him, I don't care if you hate him, it doesn't matter to me, he calls him Coward Stern, it's actually kind of funny, when he says to me, maybe you should rein it in just a little bit, when Howard Stern says that to you, you know maybe you're in trouble, that was 15 years ago, you hear my voice, how much higher it was back then than it is now, I had to train my voice, I told Bob Gelb that once, I had to train my voice, to make it deeper, because I sound like I was sucking on helium every day those early days. Well, at least you didn't have uh, cream cheese on your upper lip like you do right Shut now. Shut up! Do I really? No, well, it's gone now. How do you know it's cream cheese? <laughs> Lydia reports right now. This is Lydia reports on 77 WABC. Here's Lydia Serrani. Says you're sucking on something and you have something white on your lip. I don't know. That's, Sid. I know. <laughs> what is going on? It's a zany place this morning, even though Bernie's not here and we're, we're uh, you know, we're concerned. Well, more than concerned. It's uh, still a zany place. These guys here do a terrific job in uh, Bernie's stead, as you do. So what's on the Lydia Reports table this morning? Oh, I love me some Bernie and Sid, and I miss Bernie, and I pray for his recovery, and he'll be okay. He'll be okay. It's in God's hands at this point, and he's a fighter. Uh, the story, I, I have two stories that I wanted to bring up, and they're kind of actually related. So there's this guy running for Senate seat in Louisiana. His name is Gary Chambers, and he's talking about decriminalizing marijuana use. Okay, we've heard that before from a lot of politicians. But this guy, he take, of course, he's a Democrat. He takes it to a whole new level. During the video, he's smoking a big, fat blunt. Take a listen. Every 37 seconds, someone is arrested for possession of marijuana. Since 2010, state and local police have arrested an estimated 7.3 million Americans for violating marijuana laws, over half of all drug arrests. Black people are four times more likely to be arrested for marijuana laws than white people. So I don't know what he's trying to achieve there. I mean, he should be, if we really want to help the African-American community, I think we need to talk about the fact that in, in Harlem and in a lot of places throughout the country, most children, most African-American children are born to unwed mothers. And those are staggering statistics. And we're seeing the same rise among white people as well, but not as dramatic as we're seeing among the black community. And that's where it really starts because any child, black, brown, yellow, green, purple, whatever, if they're being raised by just one parent, 
they have a less of a fighting chance to make it in this world. I agree. And they Espe- could end up on boys. the streets. Especially boys. Absolutely. I mean, boys need their fathers. Not that not the girls don't. And Ava and I are very close. But boys need their fathers. But look, we never talk about that because it's a too uncomfortable conversation. Bernie and I bring this up all the time. It's not the white people's fault. It's not the school system. It's not the local government. It is the fact that there are big issues inside the African-American community that are caused uh, inside that community. There are no white people to blame. But it's much easier. It's much easier to blame everybody else than to look in the mirror when, in fact, you wake up with a big zit. That's the bottom line. Fifty years ago, it was only one in four African-American children were born to an unmarried mother. Now it's seven in ten. Wow. That is really – it's really sad. It's it's sad. And what's going on in Portland, they're like the beacon of the progressive policies, right? They, I mean, they're as radical as radical can get. They've decriminalized basically all drug use, similar to what D.A. Bragg is doing to Manhattan. And there is this guy who's going viral. He put out a TikTok video because now we get a lot of our news from all different you know, sources. It's not just the newspaper. It's not just even Twitter. Now you got to, you know, go through the social media and it is going viral. Well, I will tell you this, uh, now that you brought this up, uh, you're about to say it's courtesy of of, of who, but uh, I am actually today, because I I don't really tweet much anymore, uh, barely nothing. I don't even use Facebook that much anymore. My Instagram account, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney, automatically goes to my Facebook page. But after the show today, it's very exciting news. Uh, I'll let you finish your story. Gabby Lopez is going to start the very first ever Sid Rosenberg TikTok page. Very exciting news. No, that's good. It's about time. And I think all of the talent at WABC needs to do it. I don't have a TikTok account, but I do I do comb through it to see, like, if there's any videos and everything. So this guy, he's actually a good looking guy. He has his small. He has a, (laughs) you know, I'm like you. I always I kind of reference it, but he's very articulate. He owns a small diner type of restaurant. And take a listen. There's two parts to it. He goes in to find that he's been robbed, he's been ransacked, and now he's closing up shop. Listen. It's my restaurant that was going to be closing down because Portland's turned into a hole. But last night, people came in and robbed it, stole a bunch of equipment, and ransacked the place. So I'm here cleaning up. You know, I honestly used to love this town. With the rise in crime and homelessness, drug abuse, depression, isn't despite all these progressive policies. It's a direct result of these progressive policies. There so you have you it. even have, pe- yeah, there you have it. I mean, and he talks about how he's on his way to work and he sees homeless people living in filth yep. alongside of the road. And he said, this is not humane. What are we doing? These people are sick. Would we just have a cancer patient, a person dying of AIDS? Would we just have them living on the side of the road? No, yeah. we would take them in. We would help yeah. them. And then we could avoid tragedies. Well, but- I mean, you know, again, this is where um, and Bernie and I are in the same exact boat with this. Uh, I've decided the last couple of years to be more gentle and be more aware and and try to sympathize with these people, as you know, handing out backpacks for Tony Oso the last two years, walking up and down 7th Avenue Christmas time. But I got to tell you, I don't like them. Um, I think a lot of them are dangerous. I think a lot of them are hostile. A lot of them are angry. Uh, Some of them have been through some very tough situations and deserve sympathy. Some haven't. They're just lifelong criminals. And I can't tell you which one is which. So at the end of the day, I'm not all that sympathetic to all of them. And to me, just get rid of them. I don't care what you do with them, where you put them, get rid of them. Whether it's Portland, Oregon, or New York City, homeless people are are helping destroy our inner cities all over the country. 
time and time again, the same people commit the same crimes. I mean, we found that out with yeah, the but broken I don't know windows. These, but I don't know if it's because, they're, they're, listen, they were Vietnam vets and I feel badly, or if they're just crazy, or if they're just lifelong criminals. I don't know. It's not as if, look, this animal that shoved this Asian uh, lady on the subway a couple of days ago, he doesn't deserve anybody's sympathy. No, no, absolutely. But why why is it so taboo to say we should build more hospitals? I understand they want to let the, the the radicals, they want to let everybody out of the prisons. But then what, just to let them roam free the streets? If you're mentally ill, if you're sick, you belong in a mental institution. And I if agree. you're a danger to yourself and to society, we got Rikers Island. There are a lot of buildings there. There's a lot of property there. I agree. Why are we not building medical facilities like i don't understand and all these taxpayer dollars billions and billions of dollars yeah. it's just being wasted on garbage these people need help we need help put them in a safe secure place where they get the help that they need i agree with you 100 percent. and you, like you said and john katsimatidis has made the same point till you work with the five o'clock this afternoon plenty of room on rikers island now don't put it on governor's island I've, I've actually gone out there with my family that's a nice little destination point on a weekend to but there's other islands all over the place you can put these people and and help them get better. Whatever you do, just get them off the streets because whether they are deserving of sympathy or not, they're a scourge on society. And with little kids, I've got children walking the streets. I don't want them there. Bottom line. And this mentality of, well, until they ask for help, we can't give them help. How are they going to make a rational, sane decision if they are insane <laughs> and they're know. high on something? Yeah. You know, we have the laws. They can do, you know, uh, what is it, like a 72-hour hold or something I mean, like well, that. If you're so worried about these people, why don't, you, why don't you take a couple inside your house? Like, you're starting to sound like these crazy liberals. Oh, no, the homeless. I love the homeless. Oh, really? Take them in. Well, if you no, love them so not... much, why do you walk past them <laughs> and don't even give them a dollar? If you love them, you're so worried about them, take a couple of home. You talking to me? Yes. I, I, I'm worried about them. That's why I'm talking about no, no, the truth. You, you, and no, because of... no, no, you should be worried about public safety, not about these people. I am worried about – no, no. I, it's, it all goes hands in hand. No, it doesn't. That's what I'm saying. Yes, not all it these does. People deserve, not all these people deserve so sympathy. You just want to throw them in the garbage? A lot of them, Yes. Uh, I would have. Oh I would. I'd be if this guy was thrown in the garbage. That Asian lady would be at work today and uh, and alive. That's a and, and and she's one of I don't know how many examples. And again, I'm handing out backpacks. I'm I'm trying the last couple of years to be more sympathetic. But there's a lot of folks out there, homeless folks, that are not insane. They're not deserving of sympathy. They're just animals. That's it. They're just well, they're, if they're animals. They're they need to be locked up. They well, need to fine. be locked then, up. But if they're mentally ill, they need help. Well, lock them up. They need, they need help so we can prevent tragedies. I'm leaving New York City partly because of these people. Partly because when my son wants to walk eight blocks, eight blocks from his school to my apartment building, I got to have my, 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 my heart in my throat and wait for Gabe to text me that he's home because of these people. I don't care what you do with them. Get them out of here. I, I understand. I would do, I'd feel the same way. And there, the, your normal reaction is to be angry, and we should be angry because this is disgusting. Our our, polis, our politicians have failed us. Our leaders have failed us. Where are our tax dollars going? This is not humane to us New Yorkers that just want to live a peaceful and safe life. And it's not humane to these other homeless people, many of which obviously are violent, dangerous criminals that should be locked up. They should not be released over and over again. We know the Burger King guy, you know, the killer of that girl, that yes. beautiful beautiful girl yes. up in Berkeley. Do you know just on November 30th, he tried to attack another guy with a screwdriver? Yes, I do know that. Why was he out on the streets? Why He was just given a ticket. And then that guy, yeah. Simon Marshall, that's the one that shoved the Asian woman. Yeah. Him too, his own sister said, he's a danger to society. Yeah, yeah, and, and you want to he's, he's an armed robber. And you no, be, I'm you, saying, 
You want to bet that this he guy in, off the streets. That this guy in California who killed this beautiful UCLA graduate student, you want to bet he's got a record too? I guarantee he does. He yep. does. Of he course. does. He of does. Course. Exactly. Right. We look right. we uh, absolutely he has he's thirty one years old, very lengthy rap sheet, also homeless, also deranged, should have never been out on the streets. And Gascon, that's the LA district attorney, Soros funded. And so does DA Bragg and a lot of these other DAs that are getting this dirty money from Soros, they have blood on their hands. Well done. Excellent, excellent report. Who's on the big show coming up at five today is wednesday i don't know i never know but you know what yesterday's show was so good we hit all-time record high ratings and it's i'm not trying to be conceited but i'm not surprised because we just cover everything that you need to know from around the world and and the issues that matter plus both sides of the story in one single hour so if you want to know the whole truth and nothing but the truth listen to five o'clock cats at night you won't you 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 don't want to miss it. All right, thank you, Lydia. That's a great job, sweetheart. Great job. Follow Lydia on Instagram at Lydia News One. Follow Lydia on Twitter at Lydia uh, Lydia News. Lynn, my friend Lynn says you carry closed a whole lot of mental institutions in the seventies. He's another liberal idiot. She's right. Anyway, it's uh, traffic and sports are coming up next. Nice job, Lynn. But right now it's the seventy-seven WABC clip of the day. Listen to Larry Kudlow this and every Saturday. From 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., the great Larry Kudlow. Here Kudlow is talking about the new Manhattan DA, this putz, Alvin Bragg, and his refusal to pursue crime. The district attorney of Manhattan, his name is Bragg, Alvin Bragg, I think his name is. This guy is for no bail and no jail. No bail, no jail. Running completely opposite to what uh, our new mayor, Eric Adams, is trying to achieve. But Democrats... uh, I hate to generalize because I don't mean all Democrats, but it just seems like big city Democratic mayors and leaders don't want to pursue crime. Chuck Schumer seeking his fifth term will become the longest serving senator in New York history. To that point, uh, Chuck Schumer has been there for so long. I don't care if you're a left of Bernie Sanders or right of Donald Trump. Uh, His fingerprints are on everything that has gone wrong with the world as we see it. The thesis must become, if you are unhappy with the world as it's been currently built, you cannot continue to vote for the architects who built it. Uh, When you look at the pain on Main Street, when you look at the fact that there are 19 million New Yorkers who know that Chuck Schumer does not work for them, but the special interest, the corporate Democrat of corporate Democrats that he is, there is a huge opportunity to build an uncommon coalition, to have an uncommon outcome, to ensure that New York finally gets the type of stewardship and leadership we justly deserve. 17 years by her side, broke the same bread, wore the same clothes, and he said, we're sisters with nothing between one of us far, the other will soon be following. That was Joe Pinion on Newsmax yesterday. I got to work with Joe last Thanksgiving at Newsmax. Got to know him a bit over the last year. He is running against Chuck Schumer, and he's kind enough to stop by the studio this morning. And, and listen... Uh, there's a lot of folks that run for office, and occasionally I get um, I, I get invested emotionally. <laughs> this one for me, Joe, I mean, I really can't stand Chuck Schumer. Jewish guy, went to Madison. My whole family went to Madison. Right. I really can't stand this guy. So going back to what you said yesterday on Newsmax, talk to me like Denzel Washington said in the movie Philadelphia, like I'm a first grader. 
How is this guy in office that long? How? Well, look, I think that we have gotten quite comfortable uh, rubber stamping the politicians who turn around and use our vote uh, to empower themselves and rubber stamp our misery. So when you look at Chuck Schumer being in office since 1998, the last time he had a real race was 1998 when he beat uh, Al D'Amato. And so if you look at that transaction, uh, what happened there, uh, the Chuck Schumer that won in 1998 no longer exists. He's gone, folks, and he's been replaced by a man who is more uh, in many ways uh, concerned with holding on to power that he's willing to capitulate uh, to the most extreme elements on the far left. And that is why when we had 97% of Americans who were in lockstep about justice reform, he allowed children to hijack a national conversation out of the three most dangerous words in the history of modern politics, defund the police. And that silence leads to a woman being shoved in front of a subway this week. That silence leads to homicide going up 30% in New York, uh, shootings going up 90%, and the overwhelming majority of the people being shot or killed in this city and in this state and across this country are black and brown people while he's kneeling in kente cloth in the Capitol Rotunda talking about justice. So that's why I'm in this race, why I've quit my job to make sure that we can take the task to the people of saying we have a chance to have a choice for the first time in a long time. You know, you uh, it's like Curtis Sliwa. He was an Still is now an amazing radio host. He stopped to run for mayor and almost got there, lost Eric Adams. You're in that same boat. You're terrific on television, but God knows we need you in government. And you're right when you say he's not the same guy. I've got audio of Chuck Schumer saying, we gotta, we got to protect our borders. we got to protect our borders. He's the same guy now when that Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden camp, and, and Kamala Harris, uh, let's open our borders. Right. So if you go back to audio over the last 24 years of Chuck Schumer, much like Eric Adams has done the last couple of days, he continues to flip-flop time and time again. Yeah, I mean, it absolutely makes no sense. You look at what's happening on our southern border. Obviously, we have to have compassion for anyone fleeing oppression if we are to be the land of opportunity, the home of the brave. But at the same time, when you look at the actual unintended consequences of this open sesame policy on the southern border, uh, we have Chinese cartels that have teamed up with Mexican cartels, have flooded uh, Main Street USA with counterfeit prescription drugs that are bringing death and decay to everyday Americans. We have overdoses at record levels like we've never seen before. Somehow we got the doctors in white coats to stop giving out the Oxycontin, and yet they've been replaced by drug dealers uh, working in concert with these bad policies to actually make sure that people are actually going to have uh, death and destruction like heroin and opioids never delivered. So I think you look at that, you put that in conjunction with what we have with COVID, uh, a president that says that we need to have a COVID vaccination policy for the world, and yet it is standing policy of this government, our government, not to vaccinate the two million people knocking on our back door at the southern border. It is the policy of our government under Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden to put those people that get what I call the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory golden ticket <laughs> on planes to local airports, not even testing them for COVID. Meanwhile, they've got us doing kind contact tracing at your local Jiffy Lube. Uh, This is the reality that we're facing here. It makes absolutely positively no sense. And if we do nothing at all, we must restore common sense before the uncommon disaster uh, that has been reaped upon all of us gets any worse. Definition of insanity. Do the same thing over and over again. Keep voting for Chuck Schumer and expect different results. That's Joe Pinion, who's running against Chuck, a friend of mine, and uh, clearly the right guy 
for the job. Biden's going to speak today at 4 o'clock and tell you all that he's doing a great job. He's making progress despite the failures of Donald Trump. Trust me, that'll be exactly what he says. We all know that's an absolute joke. So where'd you grow up here in New York? Look, I'm a Yonkers boy, born Yonkers. and raised. So, uh, yeah, I'd love to get, get all the city of hills. Uh, nothing on the level um, and certainly nothing on the level uh, in our government. But, again, I uh, was forced enough to have a mother who had the foresight to uh, build, a, build a life for me. Uh, there, and I had my grandmother raised mostly by my mother and my grandmother went to Colgate University, Go Gate, played football at Colgate, yeah. and then came back to New York, worked in the uh, nonprofit healthcare sector for a while. My mother uh, being the founder and CEO of Morris Heights Health Center back in 1979, uh, took a $25,000 planning grant and provided, uh, fast forward 40 years, 70,000 patients being served on a recurring annual basis, providing healthcare services for the uninsured and the underinsured. And so, again, in the process of that, uh, working in politics, working in the nonprofit healthcare space had the opportunity to start doing political commentary on CNN, on MSNBC, Fox News, Fox Business. Um, in that process, was able to get my own show at Newsmax. Grateful for that opportunity. In many ways, uh, the opportunity of a lifetime at that inflection point when many people um, across the political spectrum went looking for new voices and new sources of information when we couldn't get the truth from anybody. And so all of these opportunities that have been uh, I've, I've been fortunate enough to have in my life have led to this decision to simply say uh, that we have to have a government that works for the people. Uh, Chuck Schumer, people seem to forget he is the hand-picked senator of Wall Street, the 1%. He works for the special interest, not the 19 million New Yorkers and shrinking. Um, and in fact, that's why it's shrinking, because he's not looking after your interests. He's looking after his own. Is AOC going to, uh, uh, I guess, a primary him in this, do you know? Look, the irony about- is at this point, I mean, she is the puppet master here in New York <laughs> yeah, politics. She, is. she basically uses the leverage of the threat of the primary to get Chuck Schumer to jump when she says jump, get him to say pack the Supreme Court when she says pack the Supreme Court, gets him to say get rid of the filibuster, even though he said quite clearly uh, that it would actually be uh, a disaster for American democracy. I always say quite clearly, if you find something that both parties agree is a bad idea when they're in the minority and both parties want to do when they're in the majority, it's probably something we should go out of our way to protect at all costs. True. Uh, yeah. So that's yeah. where we're at right yeah. now. And again, uh, all of these issues, uh, the thread that runs in between it is the man who's been in public government for over 40 years, a man whose fingerprints are on everything that has gone wrong in American life. I did see the filibuster story this morning pertaining to the voting rights bill. So Joe Pinion, a lot of time folks jump into politics because they've always wanted to, but they see an opening. They say, oh, this guy's vulnerable. I can beat this guy. Chuck Schumer has proven it's tough to beat him. Like you said, he's been in office longer than any other politician. That's not the case with you. So for folks who really want to know why you stopped working at Newsmax, why you're doing this, it's because you really do love New York. You're really upset about what's going on because Chuck has not shown he's vulnerable during any of these elections. Absolutely. I mean, look, my, my mother shed many a tear already. Um, but as I've told Is that right? know, most of the people in my family. Did I you said, try to talk you out of it? Of course. <laughs> I mean, I, but look, I mean, he, here is the hard truth. The easiest thing I could have done for my life, for my family, is to stay behind that desk at Newsmax, continue to advance in the career um, that I've been fortunate enough in many ways uh, to stumble into. And yet we find ourselves in a situation where the moral in 
imperative is so high. The stakes are, are, are so treacherous that when again you look at in the Middle East where you have China, who has become the chief underwriter to the terrorist threat to the Western world, we had $2 trillion of failed nation building fall apart in less than 11 days. Um, over there in Afghanistan, China takes over the airport and effectively the $85 billion of 21st century military hardware we left behind didn't even bother to blow it up or shove it into the ocean as we've done in the past. So, I look, you look abroad, it's a mess. You look here at home, you can't even find chicken tenders <laughs> in the freezer section at the grocery store. Uh, look, well, go to Gristini's. He's got him. I promise you. God's got him. But you're right. For the most part, the supply shortage, we're running out of everything. In the last 30 seconds we've got, for folks that like what they heard this morning or know you already as a big start, Newsmax, want to help your campaign out, how do you do that for Joe Pinion? Absolutely. Go to www.joepinion.com. You can find us on Instagram. I am Joe Pinion. We need your help. $5 at a time, $27 at a time. It all adds up. But more than that, if if you can volunteer on our campaign, make phone calls, send text messages, uh, pigeon test messages, whatever you can do, uh, we can make sure that all of it adds up to making sure that we can build an uncommon coalition for an uncommon objective, which is to have victory in November and send Chuck Schumer into the retirement home once and for all. From your mouth to God's ears, JoePinion.com. That's how you help them out, folks. Coming up in the fourth and final hour, Curtis Sliwa beats Sid in a ton of your phone calls. We'll be back with the fourth and final hour of the Wednesday edition of Bernie and Sid right after these short minutes messages. We are New York. Bernie and Sid in the morning. Talk Radio 77. I saw the homelessness, the yelling, the screaming early in the morning. Uh, crimes right outside of the platform. We're going to make sure New Yorkers feel safe in our subway system. And they don't feel that way now. I don't feel that way when I take the train every day. platform is uh, the spotlight right now after what happened on Saturday. There's Eric Adams, who after telling us on Sunday that crime, not even safety, it's really crime, is just a perception, not all that bad on the subways. Then he comes out yesterday, the day of the vigil for this poor young lady, and he says, well, to be honest, New Yorkers are scared and so am I. (laughs) You can't even make it up. So the guy that ran against Eric Adams that should have won but he wasn't going to win, not in this town, even though he had a much better campaign. He's a man of conviction. He's one of the greatest talk show hosts, I believe, in the history of our medium. Curtis Sliwa, who's back on our station doing weekend shows, he was at the vigil last night. He deserved to be there. I'm not sure Eric Adams and or Alvin Bragg did, and he's joining us right now, fresh off his New York One appearance. Curtis, good morning. How are you, pal? Uh, not good, Sid. Uh, you questioned my sports spectacular memory. No, not, not at all. I, I actually, oh, no, no, I, I gave you credit. I, I gave you credit, but you can't compete with a guy like Chris Russo. He could tell you carried the football. Oh, no, no, no. And I, I'm JV compared to you, but <laughs> ice bowl. Remember, Bart Starr with frostbite. Hands off to Jim Taylor through the line. 
Uh, Dandy Don Meredith couldn't hit Bob Hayes, the world's fastest human, because you wow. couldn't hold on to the ball. Wow. I remember, Sid. That's pretty good. You knew, actually knew the quarterbacks and running backs and wide receivers for the Packers and the Cowboys. No, listen, I know you're a great sports guy. I say this about you all the time, not to suck up to you, because you did help me many times in the past. But you really are one of the smartest people I know. And when it comes to this city, and I talked about this too, I hope you heard it. When I did that train ride with you guys and the Guardian Angels that night, this is why you need to serve this city. No one knows more. Any block we go to in any borough, you've got a story about that block. And I know that Adams and other politicians, Schumer, they don't have what you've got when it comes to knowing this city. No, there's no doubt. And just uh, one quick reminder. Uh, you know, I've been counseling Bernie because I had prostate cancer. I had it like Bernie. It knocks the hell out of you. He is, I mean, the toughest of tough guys out of the Monroe Projects. Kiss the whip, Rob, driving cab near the Schlobein Projects in Yonkers. But I'm telling you, I consider myself a tough job. It knocks you out. But he'll come up. He'll get off the turf, and he'll do what Jake Lamotta did. Remember De Niro? Hey, Sugar, you knocked me down. He'll say, Prostate you didn't take me out. Yeah, he'll come back. I agree with you, and I know that toughness firsthand because he punched me in the face before 8 o'clock in the morning and more than once. I, that was a great movie when he goes to Joe Pesci. You banging my wife? You banging my wife? God, I love that scene. Hey, uh, <laughs> so you were at that vigil uh, last night, the vigil, of course, for um, for Miss Go, who was killed Saturday, and you sent me a text and you said, how about the balls on this Manhattan DA, Alvin Bragg, who actually shows up here now, in Bragg's defense, this guy killed her. So even Bragg would admit this guy belongs in jail. But if she didn't die, it may be a different story. You were, you were pretty pissed that Bragg was there last night, yes? Oh, absolutely, Sid. And he was missing in action at the wake for the 19-year-old cashier at Burger King. Earlier in the day in East Harlem, I was there with the Guardian Angels. Bragg did not make an appearance. The problem in both cases, their murder cases, is he's gone on record. He said it right there in the studios at WABC in the, the Manhattan DA Democratic primary race where you had eight candidates. He said, for murder, the maximum I will seek is 20 years. Really? And you know you never get the max. No. And by the way, you you do 20 years, you really do 16 years. You get cut loose, you're out to do it again. And with this guy, he he just wants to hug those thugs. He just wants to turn them loose. And he had the coolions, the chutzpah, the huevos to show up last night. And I got to tell you, it, it made me want to projectile vomit. Oh, I'm sure. Now, did he, did, at any point, do you guys have any interaction? Did he? Did, I'm sure he knows who you are. You're the most famous New Yorker there is. You guys have any interaction last night? No, no. He was, uh, he was up on the staging area. That was a very liberal, progressive, democratic group uh, that ran that. And I got to tell you, uh, with everything that I've done in the Asian community with the Guardian Angel Patrols, the fact is I won the Asian vote throughout the city against Eric Adams. They denied me an opportunity to speak. They said it was going to be bipartisan. We wow. were going to try to bring everyone together around this issue. Wow. The one guy who's actually done things to stop Asian violence, and they told me, no. no wow. You can't come up well, I'm not the surprised. They're a bunch of cowards, all of them, uh, Adams, James, uh, you name it, Schumer, all of them. Uh, was there any interaction between you and Adams last night? 
No, no, no. He just uh, whisked in, whisked out. Uh, you know, he's he's really got to get focused. You left one major thing out here, one major thing, Sid. If you don't mind me giving you a little uh, memory, memory uh, back uh, back on memory lane. Sure. He said yesterday that he's afraid when he goes into the subways too. Right. And I played that because those white supremacists in their white sheets <laughs> are riding around the A train, the C train, the one train, the two train, looking for Eric Adams. Remember the ridiculous statement he hey, made. Hey, listen, don't, don't uh, remember. Let me tell you something, life. Curtis. I was the one who was yeah. all over that statement. I was the one who actually uh, a week ago when he made that, Bo Snurdly did like the uh, the clip of the day, and Snurdly's like, I really don't care if Eric Adams hires his brother, and I'm like, a hey, Snurdly. Mr. Bo, I don't care if he hires his brother either, but when he says he's hiring his brother because his brother's going to help him stay away from the, you know, be safe from the white supremacists, I held Bo Snurdy to task a week ago with that. So I was all over that part of the story. That was ridiculous. Yes. Yes, you were. And in fact, I want to applaud you because you scored the daily double. You not only took on Bo Snurdy. You took on your lifetime Kumbada Cheech, your pal Bo Deedle yesterday. Yes, I did. <laughs> I give you I give you a high five on that. You have not surrendered. You have not retreated on this issue. You have been you have been sincere from day one. You knew that this guy is a fagazi. He says one thing one day and then he flips the script, says a, a different thing the other day, and then the next day. And nobody holds him accountable. Nobody. Nobody except for you and I. So, yes, he, he did uh, talk about white supremacists when it came to his brother. Ridiculous. He did, in fact, say that, uh, you know, crime is just a perception and then followed that up two days later. And very, of course, because where he was with, oh, yeah, I'm afraid to take the subway, too. Uh, he endorsed Alvin Bragg. He has told us he's going to sit down with Alvin and figure this thing out. He hasn't done that. So while Joe Biden is going to speak to the country today at 4 o'clock and try to tell us what he's done well, my question is, it's only been three weeks. You cannot really grade this guy. It's a bit unfair. But if you are going to grade him on three weeks, much like Joe Biden, what is Eric Adams doing well? Well, it ain't a B-plus like he gave Bill de Blasio in my last debate. That's right. He gave Bill de Blasio a B-plus, this idiot. I forgot about that. A B-plus. But remember this also. Soon after he won the Democratic nomination, he was invited to the White House on that summit about crime. To his credit, President Joe Biden looked at all the mayors and all the police commissioners, most of whom I know because they have guardian angel groups in their in their cities. But all of a sudden, he was the Brooklyn Borough president. Joe Biden said, I will give you guys and gals money to hire police, but you have to go out and hire them now. When when uh, Eric Adams left that meeting. He again, he copied what Bill de Blasio had said about that offer. No, uh, I wouldn't take the money to hire more police. Remember what he said. There was cash on the table from the federal government. You never say no when they offer you money specifically to hire cops. And he chose not to do it like his partner and his uh, his his, uh, uh, let's face it, his Medici in this race. That's why he became the Democratic uh, primary winner. His uh, behind-the-scenes supporter, Bill de Blasio, they both turned down the money from Bill ba- uh, from uh, President uh, Biden. That's the disgraziata. That's the shanda. <laughs> yeah. So i got to ask you a, a big envelope question. 
Uh, you know I'm friendly with Corey Zelnick. He's a dear friend. He's a very successful guy. He lives a very nice life, let's face it. He lives in a very fancy building in Midtown. He goes to fine restaurants. He's got a lovely wife and a beautiful daughter. He lived well because he's worked hard. He's earned it. There's no question about it. And he continues to try to convince me and others, much like Jerry Seinfeld tried a while ago, that New York City is going to be okay. I don't see it. In fact, I'll be very honest with you and the listening audience. I'm leaving this city very, very soon. So you tell me, Curtis Sliwa, as a guy that has devoted your life to this city and these boroughs, is Corey Zelnick right? Are we on the upswing here? We're going to be okay? Or are you like me and understand why people are fleeing by the second? Well, we have uh, one thing in common. Both you, Sid, I, and Corey, unlike Eric Adams, who does a Nick game broadcast and says he's a Nets fan. <laughs> he can't figure out the difference. But you're lifelong Nick fans. I'm, an, I'm a Nick fan since I was a kid. Yep. We have learned to suffer. We sure. have always learned that next year will be a better year. Right. You know, where, what happened to that optimism? Corey, you must be doing shrooms or LSD. <laughs> it ain't happening. I know he's your friend, right? But there's just no way. But, 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 but wait a second. But, 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 but wait, he 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 admits the city is empty, but he's in real estate. He says, "Listen, I am starting to rent some of these commercial properties out." He talks about uh, an increase also. Uh, in money's revenues to the city. He talks about how you can't really rent an apartment these days, and he's right about that. So he has given me some facts that would tend to back up his argument. I still don't agree. Why don't you? What, what's what's the big thing Sid, keeping you? Sid, he said, look at 49th in Madison. There's nobody there. 49th in Madison. I know. I know. And I know. That, that 6th Avenue, we could go through it. 6th Avenue, Lexington, Madison. It ain't happening, Sid. 75% of the office space is unoccupied. And why would people come back to work? They've learned through the pandemic and lockdown. They have a better quality of life in their house. They get to watch their kids. They get to, to, to be productive. And most importantly, the women love it the most because their husbands can't give them the routine when they're with the gumada that they got to they gotta work later. They're all at home together forever. Yeah, well, one more, we'll let you run, and you're always great. I, you know, Bo Deedle ran for mayor, and uh, we know we didn't get the, the, the gig. We know that. Uh, Corey just said Labor Day. Tell Curtis Labor Day. Uh, he didn't win, uh, and he is so down on the whole process that he says he would never run again. Plus, he's in his 70s. He's trying to enjoy his life. I look at you. Now, again, you're one of the greatest talk show hosts ever. I mean that. I'm not just saying that to, to blow smoke up your ass. You're that good. Um, but you're still a, a younger guy. You know, you still have that fire in your belly. Would you consider Curtis Sleeper running for public office again? You're damn right. You're <laughs> Eric Adams. He's driving our city right into the abyss. So you, you're, you're going to be like Donald Trump. Trump's going to come back and beat Biden and save the country. You're going to come back and beat Adams and save our city. Yes, and also give your board up, uh, uh, board up a beatdown who mentioned 20 different talks that were better than me, including Dr. Gil Lederman. I did. I will never forget it for that. Is that true? I did not. We can pull the Gil Lederman? I'll pull the tape of play tomorrow. I did not say. Wait a second. Wait a second. second. You you cannot be calling a man that has defended this city for the better part of 40 years, nearly won the mayoral uh, uh, job, uh, has been a a Hall of Fame radio talk show host. You're going to call Curtis Lee a liar? I'm not calling him a liar. I'm just saying he might have been. That Curtis might be, uh, you know, maybe. No, no. Sid, 
Sid, in his defense, uh, Adams called me a liar during the campaign. Odita <laughs> has called me a liar. A lot of people have called me a liar. I don't take offense to that. Just put me in your freaking list of 20 and put me ahead of Dr. Gilly. You're at the top, Curtis. You're at the, my what? Revised, my revised Wait list. a second. You told me I was at the top. You're no, on this show you. right now. Not you. You're, oh, you're making friends every day. Yeah, you're, 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 you've been removed from the top. Now Curtis has your spot. <laughs> these guys, Curtis, they don't know anything about loyalty. You can tell none of these kids grew up in Brooklyn, right? Kings Highway, Canarsie, they would have gotten their asses kicked by now, right? They're all Fredos. They're all Fredos. <laughs> you know, guys, young Huckleberry's there. Right. You don't turn on the family of Sid and Curtis Lee. You don't turn on them. Uh, 100% right. Hey, hey, every time you come on, it's better than the last time. It's that good. So thank you for calling in this morning. That was a great spot, Curtis. Thank you so much. Sid, Sid just tell me what kind of shrooms the Corey is uh, <laughs> I don't know. I may may want to try that. I really will. Well, you know what you should do? Seriously, put him on over the weekend on your show and uh, have it out with him. He's right here. He's eight blocks away. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Eight eight blocks of emptiness away (laughs) where there is no occupation of the office buildings or retail. Have you seen a retail for lease, for rent? Empty. I know. I know. Listen, again, I don't agree with him. But um, he's done a lot better in the city than I have, so I tend to give him the benefit of the doubt. But we'll continue this. uh, For you, Sid, but can I drug test him first? Oh, you're funny. You are funny. He just said that was effing great. Make it happen. Put him on. Sliwa and Zelnik. And forget about Christopher Hahn. Can't be like DeBasio smoking the Maui Waui (laughs) Hindu Kush. Please. You're funny. I love you, Curtis. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, Sid. That was a great segment. Curtis Sliwa, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, what am I doing here now? You got. You need a caller for your little game coming up. My little game? Yeah, your little, your little fun little beat, Sid. Oh, oh, yes, yes. One eight hundred eight four. What a show today! I got to tell you, I came in. I was, uh, you know, I'm sad. I'm sad. I'm not going to lie to you. You know, you've heard me talk about Bernie quite a bit today, and I'm sad. But what a show! These guys are all great, all of them. Oh my God! Now Bo Deedle checked in. I'm only seventy one. I do eighty push ups every day. Hey, listen, Bo. Bo, you don't have to. You don't got to convince me. I have never in my whole life. And I mean this. I have never in my whole life felt an arm like Bo Deedles. I've never, never. I can do two. No, not you, Luke. I'm sorry. I can do 200 bicep curls in a row and walk out the gym. My veins are protruding. My arms, nothing like Bo Deedle. Nothing. So you don't have to convince me. But, uh, but Curtis is right. You know, you guys are tough on him. It's hilarious. What am I doing now? I'm sorry. You need a caller for the game. I don't want to play the game. But you have to. Why do I have to? Well, you just give out the number. 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Fredo. Right now on 77 WABC, stay informed with Bernie and Sid in the morning. Then at noon, it's Charlie Kirk from 1 to 3 p.m. It's Greg Kelly on 77 WABC.
Tomorrow's Thursday, right? So Bill O'Reilly's on tomorrow. You two Heartland here from the great Rattle and Hum. They actually recorded this song outside of Sun Studios in the hills there in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, Bill O'Reilly coming up tomorrow. Next Thursday, the 27th, Jennifer Aiden, one of the stars of the Real Housewives of New Jersey. I was going to get Margaret to come in, but she's going on vacation with her husband, Joe Beningo. So we'll get Jen Aiden in next Thursday. And she'll promote season 12 of the Housewives, which is a stay. Hey, Dominic, how are you, brother? My man, Don, that's the best security guy in the world. In the world, that man right there. I love that guy. So Jen Aiden will come in next week. Bonozer, he went to see Joe Gorga bomb, and he bombed at Caroline's Country Club or one of those places. I don't know. Uh, country Club. Uh, comedy Club. And Jen was uh, the star of the show I heard that day. So Jen will be on next Thursday. And then uh, somebody else big is called. Who's coming on Friday? Oh, Bill Sims. There's a good guest for you. Nine o'clock hour on Friday. Phil Sims will break down these four big playoff games in the NFL. Good to see you, Dom. Love you, bro. Uh, Sims, of course, the former Giant great now in the NFL today on CBS. And uh, Bernie should be back tomorrow, I, I, would, I would imagine. I don't know, you know, with chemo, Peter King talked about it earlier. So did Bo uh, to me privately and others. How many days in a row you don't feel well? I don't know. Um, do you, you don't know. I have no idea. I mean, relatives. I don't. I haven't had cancer, thank God, obviously. But I have relatives who have. But uh, I think I'll be back tomorrow. But I keep telling him and his beautiful wife Carol, and even Meany, our program director here, stop pushing him to come back. Stop. I want Bernie here in 2025. I don't care about the next month. Nobody cares. Nobody. We love Bernie. We miss Bernie. He's great when he's here. Uh, but he needs to get better. He needs to get rest. His body has been through so much trauma. And I know guys want to come to work. They get really depressed when they're home and they're not doing anything. I get all that. But if he needs a rest, let him stay home. We'll be okay. It'll be fine. The ratings never change. If I'm out, if Bernie's out, it never changes. Right now, my concern, my fear, my worry is that in the long term, he's going to be okay. And if that means taking a bit of a hit in the short term, we'll we'll be fine. I mean, I've proven, I think, over the last five years I can do a show myself. I've proven that time and time again. I don't want to risk Bernie not feeling feeling worse getting up in the middle of the damn night and traveling in the bitter cold from Long Island to, to talk about Joe Biden for four hours. It's ridiculous. So everybody around him, I keep telling, let him rest if that's what he needs. I'm not a doctor. But if he feels like crap after chemotherapy, don't make him run to work tomorrow. To talk to Bill O'Reilly? It's insane. Am I, am I wrong here? No, you're dead on. Okay. It's clear how much I love the guy, and, I, and I mean, uh, it's clear. And I'll do whatever they want me to do in this place. Whatever they want to make life easier for Bernard. And I do do that, clearly. But um, we got to be a little smarter and worry more about him than uh, how many people are on the screen at 9 o'clock in the morning on any given day. My God. Anyway, let me get to this uh, other stuff here. What, what is this here? What do I got here? The uh, clip of the day. You know, I spilled this damn iced tea all over the place this morning. I'm so mad at you. At me? Yes. How, you, how's it my fault? Because you told me to look for something, and if you remember, I forget exactly what it was. It was some stupid commercial, and I looked up to grab the commercial, and the next thing you know, it was on top. It was underneath the iced tea, and I pulled out the commercial, and I spilled the iced tea all over the place. I give, I give you everything. It, 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 why is it my job to make sure that you keep yourself There's 9,000 commercials here. It's a lot of work for me when Bernie is even here. Yeah, but you're keeping commercials over there that you've already read. So when you read them, just put them in the garbage. 
That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, Natalie, I'm not completely. <laughs> See, she loves yelling and screaming. And I was like, okay, you got me. I'm going to start doing that. Good. One of these days. Traffic and sports. Natalie, you do a great job with traffic, by the way. I don't mean traffic like Legrano on the Belt Parkway. I mean the commercials. Now, it's time to beat Bernie. It's time to beat Bernie. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters. You think you can beat Bernie? Good luck. It's time to beat Bernie. All right, another special Beat Sid edition of the Peerless Spoilers Beat Bernie Contest. Again, sponsored by Peerless Spoilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com or PavilionTankless.com for a deal near you. Peerless Boilers, America's best built boilers. Today we got David in Los Angeles, all the way out west. David, what's going on today? Happy Wednesday. Thank you. Great to be on the show. I called in to discuss the serious mental health crisis on the subways but you needed a contestant so i'll embarrass myself by probably (laughs) missing every question don't worry about it buddy you're gonna do fine i had to make the game a little easier today so sid could get a couple right oh good i might do okay then i'm at about his level (laughs) all right you ready to get into what do you do for a living david if you don't mind me asking I'm a professional radio talk show caller in the WABC, the greatest <laughs> talk radio station in history. Yeah, how much does that pay an hour? Well, I'm on government subsidy, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> All right, buddy. Let's get into the game here. You ready for number one? Shoot. All right. Which member of the Spice Girls abruptly left the group in 1998? The real name or the character name? It was... Baby Spice. Well, no, no, Victoria, Victoria Beckham, the the the, the soccer wife. Wrong. You two legged back of answer. I should be Jesus. Ginger Spice would be the correct answer. Jerry Hall. Oh, what? Yeah, Jerry Hollywell. I think that's <laughs> right. Now on to number two. O for one. Let's let's try and bounce back here with a with a correct answer. Baywatch bombshell. Pamela Anderson was once married to what '80s heavy metal rocker. Tommy the Schlong Lee. Very good, very good. One for two. On to number three. Who is the New York Knicks all-time leading scorer? I have no sports gene at all. I don't know. Will Chamberlain? Wrong, you two-legged back of Anthony. Patrick Ewing. Sid's going to win so far because... He's going to miss the Spice Girls. He'll know the Tommy Lee, and he'll know the sports one. I'm a goner. <laughs> hey, not so fast, David. Come on. Still got two left, all right? Yeah. All right, on to number four. The correct answer there, by the way, was Pat Ewing. On to number four. Derek Jeter is the Yankees' all-time hit leader with over 3,400 hits. What Hall of Fame Yankee did he pass to take over the top spot? What is this WFAN? I don't know nothing about sports. I Give me a guess. Give me a guess. Come on. It was, it was one of the guys right in this, right smack in the middle of Murderer's Row. You don't have to be a sports fan to know who he is. Can you repeat the question? Sure. Derek Jeter is the Yankees' all-time hit leader with over uh, with over 3,400 hits. What Hall of Famer Yankee did he pass to take over the top spot? Mickey Mantle? Wrong. You two-legged back of Anthony. Lou Gehrig. The iron, uh, the iron, yeah. Lou Gehrig, the Iron Horse. Good guess, not a bad guess. Mickey Bantle was in that murderer's row, so it wasn't too too bad. 
You didn't embarrass yourself too hard. Let's just put it that way. All right. I only know his name because he has. I only know his Mickey Mantle because he has a restaurant. <laughs> All right, buddy. Let's try and close it out with a W here. Number five. These two running backs are the only players to rush for over ten thousand yards while playing in New York City. Name one of them. What do I look like, Russ Salzberg over here? I don't know <laughs> none of them. Give me a guess. One of them played for the Jets and then one for the Giants. I don't know the name of any football players except for Joe Namath. <laughs> well, Joe Namath. <laughs> Joe Namath is unfortunately the incorrect answer. All right. A little one for five day. Not too shabby, David. Yeah, at least you didn't go uh, defeated. At least you didn't go 0 for 5. Remember you said, what's my information in case you have to send me the prize? I said, gee, just... just Wait till you need it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was good advice for our call screener, Pete. All right, I'm going to put you on hold for a sec. I got the big guy coming back in now. All right, buddy? Womp, 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 womp. <laughs> All right, buddy. <laughs> All right, let's see. Very uh, exciting. We've got the very charismatic David on the line from Los Angeles. Um, no. He wasn't too attuned with the sports half of this trivia, so he went one for five. He went one for five? Yeah, you need two. Okay. To win today. You think you can do that? I really have no idea. I'm terrible at this. Yeah, you really are. Like, god-awful. Nice, thank you. It's very nice. Thank you. You're god-awful. Yeah, okay, you ready to go? Not really. All right, number one. Yeah. Which member of the Spice Girls abruptly left the group in 1998? Posh. Who? Posh Spice. She married David No. Incorrect. That's the only one you know, right? Yeah, that's the only one I know. Yeah. Oh, Ginger. Ginger Spice. That would have been the correct answer. Oh, son of a gun. How about it? All right, 0 for 1. All right. So far, you're not winning. No, so far I'm not. All right, number two. Baywatch bombshell Pamela Anderson, hey now, was once married to what 80s heavy metal rocker? She was married to uh, Tommy Lee from Motley Crue, one of the greatest videos I've ever seen in my life to this day. (laughs) Blows away Kim Kardashian, Paris Hilton. They're coming out with a documentary on that, by the way. On that video? Yeah. No kidding. I saw a preview for it somewhere. I don't know. Amazing. I I don't know anything. Number three. You ready? Nope. Okay. Who is the New York Knicks all-time leading scorer? Patrick Ewing. Very good. That's too easy. Come on. Well, I had to make the game uh, easier. easier because I'm a moron. Right. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Okay. Yeah. Stupid. All right. Here we go. Number four. <laughs> Derek Jeter is the Yankees' all-time hit leader with over 3,400 hits. Right. What Hall of Fame Yankee did he pass to take over the top spot? Oh, what Hall of Famer? Think it's Murderer's either, Row. It's either DiMaggio or Mantle. I'm going to go with Mickey Mantle. Wrong, you two-legged uh, back of Who was it? Lou Gehrig. Oh, Lou Gehrig. Son of a gun. Yeah. Old Iron Horse. Yeah. All right. All right. Not too bad. You still got to get uh, You got to get I already this. won the game. He got one right. I've already gotten two correct. You're right. My scorecard was lying to me. Yeah. All right. To go three for five. Okay. Ready? These two running backs are the only players to rush for over 10,000 yards while playing in New York City. Name one of them. Curtis Martin. Wrong, you two-legged back. Oh, son of a... Are you serious? No, I hit the wrong sounder. You actually got that right. <laughs> yeah, I know with the Jets. Uh, the other one, if I had a guess, Curtis Martin's a Hall of Famer. I had great days in New England for both parcels, too. Is it a giant running back? Joe? Yeah. It is, is it Joe Morris? No. No, uh, no don't tell me. Later. Uh, He's a good buddy of yours. Tiki Barber. Yeah. Yeah. Tiki and uh, Curtis Martin. So I won three to one. 
you won three to one. So uh, you want to talk to Dave? Sure. Hey, David. how about it? Hey, Dave, how are you, pal? Said the game is rigged. Everybody knows you're the sports expert guy. What did I call in about serious issues? How did this happen? I hate to lose. <laughs> I don't know. But I lose every day, so uh, you have to excuse me for not, you know, uh, exuding more sympathy your way. But uh, you sound like a super guy, and I'm sorry I beat you, but just move on already. It's fine. Where it's unsafe. Yes, that's true. Well, we love you, David. Thank you. Thank you for playing today's game. That was David in L.A. If you missed out on the chance to play Beat Bernie, and again, I hope he, uh, he may be back tomorrow, listen tomorrow at 9.40 a.m. and try again, or you can take a stab at the $1,000 Minute on the other side of Midnight, hosted by Frank Morano. Every weekday morning at 4.30 a.m., you've got the chance to win $1,000 if you can answer 10 consecutive questions correctly in one minute. Listen to The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. weekdays for entertaining and informative talk and The Thousand Dollar Minute. Beat Barney, sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. Seventy-seven WABC listeners, go check out the new Bernie and Sid in the Morning merchandise at the seventy-seven WABC store right now. Go to wabcradiostore.com and find everything from Bernie and Sid in the Morning t-shirts to hats to jackets to bags to citizen t-shirts. Luckily for Bernie and Sid listeners, you've got a limited time discount. Enter discount code Bernie and Sid fifteen at checkout for fifteen percent off your purchase at the seventy-seven WABC store. That's discount code Bernie and Sid fifteen for fifteen percent off your purchase. Go to WABCRadioStore.com right now, and when you get your merchandise, download the 77 WABC Radio app, take a picture of yourself with it on, go to the upload section, upload your photo, and you'll have the chance to be featured on Bernie and Sid in the morning's Instagram. That's uh, Do It Today at the WABCRadioStore.com. All right. About uh, five more minutes before Brian Kilmeade comes your way. John Sarconi in Westchester Line 2. I know he's running for uh, AG. John, good morning. How are you, pal? Uh, good morning. Good morning, Sid. Hey. And uh, good morning to all of your great listeners out there. Uh, we all have a heavy heart with what's been going on in our great city, and it's been going on for a long time, and it has to change. Yeah. The revolving door crime is killing our city. It's driving people out, like yourself. You love the city, and now you now you got to move. I mean, this is not what we signed up for. And certainly, I don't think the people of New York City voted to have a district attorney to come in, not to enforce crime, but to come in and reinvent the justice system. That's absolutely insane. And where is the attorney general on all of this? Silent. Has not said a word about it. No, too busy worrying about Donald Trump and uh, trying to get, you know, worrying about the assets that he claimed and a bill. I mean, just complete nonsense. Letitia James is a waste, a waste of time. I mean, nice little speech yesterday at the Vigil in Times Square, and again, that was very, very nice. But, I mean, come on. You're 100% right, John. I don't know what she's doing, and 
hopefully uh, you'll run and uh, you'll have success and we can get some people in these jobs that uh, can help improve this city. Because God knows the folks that are there right now are making a bad situation worse. Charles is in Queens on line one. Good morning, Charles. Good morning. First, I wanted to say great, great, great show. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Also, um, I pray for Bernie every single day. He's a great guy. Yes, he is. Thank you. What I wanted to say, I wanted to disagree with Sid Rosenberg. He said that Joe Biden didn't do anything well. Right. Well, uh, he inherited uh, a fantastic economy that was humming without inflation. Mm -hmm. The border was fantastic. Mm -hmm. America, Trump did fantastic stuff. He had Mexico take care of it before they come to America. He built the wall, as promised. Americans were being respected again, and so on and so on. And sleepy Joe Biden managed to destroy it all within one year. That's an accomplishment. There it is. You got it. Charles found it. Congratulations to Biden. He's going to tell you at 4 o'clock we are progressing, moving in the right direction. He was handed an impossible task because Trump was such a lousy president. We know, of course, as uh, Charles has pointed out, and I pointed out, and Bernie has pointed out a million times, that's not the case. But there you go. What has Joe Biden done well? F up the country. Here is Frank on Staten Island, line four. Hi, Frank. Hey, Sid. I, I just want to say, hearing you and Curtis, it's, I think we grew up in the same household <laughs> in Brooklyn. <laughs> that's funny. All kidding aside, I still see the same four guys I grew up with. We would do anything for each other. It is Really nice what you do for your partner. Thank you. Thank Um, you. I want to say, and I hate to say this, and I'm saying it facetiously, best thing that ever happened to Eric Adams was the subway pusher because, um, as Lillian Serrani said, it took all the heat off of the seven-time felony conviction guy, four with the gun, who killed that poor girl in, in, in Burger King. I'm also a retired police sergeant, so I knew Eric Adams, and let's be honest, he talks a good talk, but he don't walk the walk. So nope. you're absolutely right about him. Well, thank you, you know, Frank. I thought he said everything he said to get elected. Yeah, he did. And, he, you know, he appeased Republicans and he appeased Democrats and everybody liked him. And uh, they hate the Blasio and not enough people took Curtis seriously because of the beret and the cats and all that nonsense. But the truth is, is that uh, Curtis is a man of conviction, knows this city as well as, if not more than anybody, and was the right choice. But they gave Eric the chance and three weeks in, it's not been a very good run. <laughs> it's just not been good. He has set things and I'm sure he'd like to take back. Crime is up, not down. Again, very early, way too early to fairly grade Eric Adams, but the early signs are not good. We're done for today. Excellent job, Justin Ellick, Luke Lograno, Peter, Mike Garcia, Frankie Diaz with an E, Deb Valentine, the whole crew. Hopefully Bernie is back tomorrow, but I don't know. You can always check my Instagram account at Rosenberg.Sydney and the show's Instagram account at It's Bernie and Sid for more information. I'll be back no matter what, 6 o'clock tomorrow morning for a Bill O'Reilly Thursday. Everybody enjoy, stay safe, your Wednesday hump day here in New York City. Until tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. from all of us to all of you and Brian Adams. Peace! If you have- 
had an accident, trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabulaw.com. That's G-A-B-O law.com. Gabu Law, where winning is no accident.